Anything you can say will be held against you. <laughs> In the court of public opinion, maybe. <laughs> All right. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Panels on Pages. My name is Dollyboard, and I am joined today by a very special guest, a young man I have... Uh, Met one time uh, in person uh, many years ago at a convention and purchased this guy up here. This guy right here. It's a little big print of uh, his character, uh, Sapphire Spectre. Man, I couldn't think of the first word for a second. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people mess up and say Star Sapphire. <laughs> that, that's what I was going to I was gonna say. That. I was like, that's not right, though. That's not right. JT Malloy, how you doing, man? Not bad. How about you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Have you uh, have you done any cons this year? I know cons are kind of coming back. Yeah, uh, two in the past month or so. Like I did Cincinnati. Like I hadn't in a long time. I hadn't since like C2E2 right before the pandemic. Um, I was there with Cold War. But uh, yeah, I did Cincinnati about a month ago. And then I just did Wizard World last weekend. It was pretty dead there at Wizard World. It's still I, always fun. Course, I mean, it's Wizard World. It's been dead for six years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but that was the last one. So you went to the last Wizard World. That's uh that's wild. That's, All right. It's a crazy it's a crazy time. I, I honestly thought they should have they should have ended that show probably five years ago. You're right. I went to Wizard World as an artist in like 2007. That was my first con ever as an artist. I didn't even have a comic. I didn't have anything. I just wanted to see what it was like. So I went and I did like some commissions for people or whatever, but I didn't, I was like, hey, here's half of the comic I'm working on that was at this time. It was called Sigma 7X, which was like about like a bunch of frat boy superheroes based off me and my idiot friends from back then. But yeah. <laughs> so I didn't even have anything. I was just kind of like, oh, here's your kitty bride. <laughs> I mean, hey, you gotta you gotta get started somehow. But 2007, mm -hmm. that might have that might have even been back when I started going to conventions too, because that that was the golden age though. That was the golden age. Mm -hmm. That's when it prices were still reasonable. Uh you could actually go and like buy your ticket for the whole weekend and still have money to buy a commission from an artist or to buy an, a comic book or whatever. Right. Totally. Um, was... Back in like 2003, I think was like the first con I ever went to as like a fan. And like, I got <laughs> new mutants, uh, 98 is that that's the Deadpool one, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. For like, for like 15 bucks. Wow. <laughs> Cause okay. nobody gave a shit about Deadpool back wow, then. You still got that. <laughs> I had sold it. <laughs> I actually sold it to get uh i've been kind of like get slowly getting rid of my comic collection to build my amazing spider-man comic collection so wow. i like traded it for like a death of gwen stacy or something 121. okay okay see what's funny is and this, we're, this is the topic we're gonna be getting into today we're gonna be talking about amazing spider-man spider-man in general and adaptations more specifically but i want to say my first comic book in america was an amazing spider-man issue I, that was my first introduction to the comic book format. I had seen like the cartoon at the time, um, but I went to I went on a, a road trip with my uncle, and we stopped at a gas station or whatever. Back when you could just buy comics basically anywhere, <laughs> right. and uh, we stopped at a gas station and I saw this cover and it was Spider Man, but he had a really different costume. And my my Spider Man in the comics was Ben Riley, and. I, too. <laughs> and then when they when they ju they just brought him back which is insane because they've like done a bunch of stuff with him over the years but right. like when i picked it up i was like this is this costume is awesome like there's so much stuff why is he blonde what's going on so i was like i gotta buy this 
And then that was the first, I think it was the first appearance of Delilah. Delilah, she's like an assassin. Yeah. And she had like, and the, what I what I remember about this, and this is like, this might even be like when my like process junkie phase started. I really love the fact that her her word bubbles, like when she like emphasized words, they were different colors and yeah. they were bigger letters and they were fancier letters. As if so, like everything she said was sensual or something when she yeah, put those accents. Yeah, you know? like she was sing songy about it, and like yeah. it gave her so much character in just that. That I, I was just blown away. I was like, this I know, is right? fucking awesome. I think on that first page, she was actually singing. And then she like yeah, took yeah, the microphone yeah. and stabbed somebody. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember. That. Oh, I, I love that era so Absolutely. much. It was she ended up like era. working for the the Rose and stuff. Yeah. Yes. Which I like, I'd only seen the cartoon. So like, I was like, who the hell is the Rose? And there was no internet back then. I had not mm-hmm. even at that point, I hadn't even seen a wizard magazine yet. So I had no fucking clue. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just into Same. the deep end. And then I got, uh, I remember my brother bought for me when he was like, my brother's six years younger than me. So he was like a little kid when I was a slightly older kid. And he bought me like the uh, alien costume saga trade paperback. Yeah. The one where like uh, there's like a spotlight on him and he's got the symbiote, you know. So I was like, ooh, like I and I remember reading that and being like, holy shit, this beats the crap out of that cartoon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And but they were really into the rose around then and like the Jason Masondale Hobgoblin, Mackendale Masondale. I always forget, but like, uh, yeah, I remember the rose being featured very prominently. He was there's always a crime boss in Spider-Man comics, like. Yeah. No yeah, matter what era, whatever whatever era it is, there's always a crime boss like over everything, controlling everything. For sure, and I but I, and I think the I think the kingpin at that time was like heavily in Daredevil, so mm-hmm. Spider Man needed his own. <laughs> exactly, you got it. I'm pretty sure the Rose was still Wilson Fisk. I mean, uh, Richard Fisk around then. So, I think it was Kingpin's son. In that i think it oh, was still the first shit. i forgot about the kid because on yeah. the show on the show he had a kid but it was willie and he was just like kind of a no character until he like went to prison and then he came back kind of, <laughs> kind of as a badass like it was all right so i think I one forget. or two other people took up the rose mantle but i think the first one was richard fisk oh that's cool see see that's that that's that lore shit that's that when you're when you're reading comics for a long fucking time and somebody whips off the fucking mask and it's like oh it's you you've been here fucking 40 years but you're right. fucking you're this guy now like that's the, that's the coolest shit because uh, i remember that that was supposed to be what happened with apocalypse because that was supposed to be uh the owl originally apocalypse uh, was supposed to be the owl yeah if you no look at the, kidding if you look at that first um first like cameo in the last page of whatever issue that was uh when like he turns around and he says you know apocalypse is coming or whatever his Mm -hmm. the outfit looks completely different than what he looks like in the next issue they literally between issue like but between the time that they drew it and put the words down they had changed what what that was going to do because uh i forget what the reason was but they changed they just changed it last fucking minute and then they just out of all that just came apocalypse because yeah it was it was just gonna be the owl it was gonna be interesting did, yeah. his, did you have the silhouette with the wolverine hair and everything like uh you know did I mean? he have a, did he have the wolverine or, hair i don't think he had the hair but i think he had like he had it look almost looked like he had uh like a like that coat kind of like that coat mm-hmm. that he used to have right. uh, but yeah no he he they i think they might have even modified it originally 
to make it a little different. But I know he looked, he did not look like Apocalypse looked in the next issue. Right. But yeah, they were just like, yeah, we're going to, it's going to be the owl. That was going to be the big reveal. And I think they had decided that he, like the owl was going to be like, he was dead, gotten, you know, dead one of the many times that everybody dies. Uh, so they were like, you can't use him. He's dead. Like he just died over in Daredevil or whatever. So they're like, oh shit. So then they fucking came up with a whole new thing. <laughs> like last minute. Uh, I think they, I think, uh, I think they talk about it uh, in um, uh, that Chris Claremont's X-Men documentary, which YouTube has been just like, you want to watch this? Even though I've already watched it. It's like, Hey, you want to watch this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's a good, it's a good documentary. It's, it's, it's interesting to see like from his own perspective, kind of like nice. what, what all happened in the nineties. Cause that was, I love Chris. He's awesome. He's cool people. When I first met him, I was just like, I think it was the first time I've ever been like nervous to meet someone. Cause yeah. I was like, this is the fucking dude. This yeah. is the dude. <laughs> like I wasn't even around for that era. And I didn't read, I at that point, I hadn't even read that era. It's like but, Stan and Jack like, created I, X-Men, but like he really created X-Men. You know he, developed, I mean? like, he developed it yeah. into what it is today. I mean, like, Cockerman burn or whatever too, but you know, like, but him through and through for like 20 straight years. So, yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of the shakeups, a lot of the shit that's changed over the years, they were like, Hey, Chris, you want to come back and just do some wild shit for a while? And he's like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. And he comes back. And then it was like th that revolution era. I think everyone forgets that when it was like issue 100 of the, the, the adjectiveless X-Men title, uh, that like era, Chris Claremont came back to write that. That's why a bunch of like, excalibur characters and villains and shit were in that like those the blue slavers those were from excalibur like right. people people forget that that era was claremont but because everything fucking changed he was just like yeah. Yeah, fucking throw it all in a blender let's see what happens i had checked out on x-men in the late 90s for a while but my cousin kevin fired who uh uh i don't know if you see him like post on my stuff for whatever reason he's a really good writer and he's friends with uh chimera and all that stuff too and um he uh, kept collecting X-Men the whole way through. And I eventually like just kind of took some of his comics and was reading them like in the late nineties, like the pre Morrison stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is pretty good actually. You know, <laughs> I never, was, I never cared for, uh, I never cared for maggot, but <laughs> the rest of the stuff going it on. It was, I, I gotta say that is still to date. That is still, mm, maybe maybe the hickman era is probably winning out in the long run for me but up up until whatever 20 end of 2019 early 2020 when hickman came on that was my favorite era of x-men because it was like hey we had all this fancy shit but let's just take all of that away xavier's gone fucking cyclops retired after having a literal fucking bomb in his chest or his stomach mm -hmm. and it's like and here's these two, he's just two wild new kids. Like here's Marrow, who is a murderer, outright murderer. And Maggot, who is, just, who is, and Maggot, who is just like a pile of fucking mystery and also shoots his intestines out as fucking slugs that eat everything, which is <laughs> the craziest power. I was, I, I was just enthralled by that whole era. Cause like, it was just like a bunch of new shit while they were trying to rebuild like what made x-men x-men it was right it was my favorite shit and then uh going going into like kind of finding xavier and 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 rebuilding the team and then they eventually fight off magneto in the magneto war and then like they resolve the whole whole joseph storyline 
poorly, very, very fucking poorly. Because they were like, I remember that. <laughs> he's a clone. I fl- when I flipped that page and I read, uh, I think what was it? He the the like scientist that was examining him. He's like every single like down to the molecular level, you are Magneto. He's like, but down to the molecular level, every piece of you is a magnificent forgery. I read that. I almost burned the book. <laughs> I was so mad because I was like, didn't we just do this in Spider-Man? Yeah, like, everyone true. lost that's their true. shit over the clone <laughs> saga and because they kept going back and forth. And, you know, hindsight and retrospect is always like 2020, but like you, you find out why this shit happened after the fact but during during like when you were you know if you were reading spider-man in 1994 1995 and this ben riley guy shows up scarlet spider and now it's like oh he's actually the original peter parker the guy we've been reading for 40 fucking years is the clone yeah i wrote about that recently because i was like i understand if people were because we both it seems got into it during Ben Riley. So what's interesting is that um, like almost literally at the same time, because my first issue was 412. And that was uh, when like Peter Parker got beat up in an alley by like a bunch of hobgoblins, like cybernetically enhanced goons, like, and Ben Riley's uh, power was on the fringe, right? Yeah. And Ben Riley's coffee shop got set on fire by somebody. And so, uh, so that was, that was probably like two issues apart or something, but yeah. um, yeah, so it's like I understand when people um, like were betrayed when their Spider-Man was revealed to be, uh, you know, what I mean, and it was it was clearly editorial trying to like undo the whole marriage thing, and because uh, they're like, well, what do we do? We're at, like a dead end now, you know. So like, um, they just came up with this asinine thing, and it's like you can't do that, you know. What I mean, like you just can't. I don't know. It's like, like yeah, like the readership is supposed to turn over, you know. Like at least it did. It was supposed to back then, you know. Right. Where it's like kids like read it from 13 to 15 and then get into something else so like people wouldn't notice you know what i mean right but come on like people are still gonna notice there's there's still long-term fans and it's it's kind of dumb that they like had to like legitimately think they were gonna like bring this guy back and it's like hey this guy hasn't been spider-man since the 70s but he is now right and, and it was forever <laughs> and, and like in all respects it was like a throwaway story i think it was a, a single issue at, back in the day the the clone gets like tossed into a fucking like it dies and it gets tossed into a a smokestack to like burn right. up to to like get rid of the evidence and then they just when they brought it all back they just kept like digging shit up and making it more complicated making it more complicated and then what's funny is um i was reading uh what the fuck was it the spider was it a spider-man team up might have been, might have been Spider-Man team up at the time that it, it was a Spider-Man team up with the Avengers, but then it was like, oh, this is actually the Spider-Man robot from when Kang made a robot of Spider-Man, and they're just like digging up all this shit from like the past yeah. to just try to like <laughs> it just felt like they were just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks because what was happening and this is like stuff I've seen through various. Uh, uh, documentaries on uh, on the era. Uh, was it Macchio was the Spider Spider Group editor? Uh, him mm-hmm. and um, damn it, I always forget the guy that had the X. Whoever had the X Men thing, because the X books were doing great, and it became like this like internal fight. So they were yeah. just like, we just need to do like, up the ante. Up the he he's the clone. 
nope, nope, he's not the clone anymore. Peter's dying. Like, just throw shit at it to make it crazier and crazier. We just want to meet, we just want to, like, get up to the same level as X-Men. Right. And I was like, that's, like, to, and, I just, like, going back, I'm so glad that I was, not, like, I wasn't in a position, I was, I was a kid, and my mom was working all the time, and we were poor. So, like, I couldn't get comics all the time. So I was getting it bit by bit, piece by piece. And eventually I was buying Wizard and I was getting more information from Wizard through like the, you know, issue reviews and stuff like that and previews that like I was getting it in small doses, sometimes months apart. I can't imagine being a reader like in your teenage years, you were like, you've been with Spider-Man and then it's just like one thing after another being thrown at you. Right. Like that would have that was, killed me. <laughs> I remember I made a note where I said, it was like the first half of the Clone Saga sucks. It's like so bad. It's like almost unreadable. Like where it's like, you're the clone. No, you're both the clone. <laughs> and like the Jackal's going nuts. And then there's like the spider side guy who looks like an idiot. And like just everything just is awful looking and awful reading. And then it kind of hammered out once they like put Ben Riley in the costume and let Peter have life as a, of his own for a bit. Like, and that's when we both jumped on. It was like, then they were telling Spider-Man stories again. You right. know what I mean? It was like, first of all, that costume is awesome. I love it with the giant spider on the front and the back. And then like the exterior web shooters, you know, like killer. And like, how do you, how do you feel about the, new, the and newer version of it that they, that it's they okay. Get? Um, like offset spider that's yeah. that sort of, I, I was like did he draw it wrong i was like is he a bad artist <laughs> right exactly because like they put it here like in a, the spot that a star trek insignia should go or something right and, like had it jet out from there but then when he's twisting and turning you're like it does look like did they do it wrong yeah 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 and it's so, funny because they bring it up but in reference he's like i've already got a costume and they because i i I haven't fully read it, but I like skimmed through the, the couple issues he's been in so far. And he's like, I've got a costume. And they're like, you need to stop dressing like a 15 year old, like, uh, like, uh, I forget what, the, like, basically, you need to stop dressing like a kid. Cause they were talking about the fucking Scarlet Spider costume that he's been stuck yeah. in since he turned evil. That was a whole fucking thing. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh man, Ben Riley got, got fucking shafted for a long time. Yeah, he did. I was still having fun a little bit with the Peter David run, though. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, well, since he's not the real Spider-Man anyway, like, they can kind of, you know, like, take some liberties with how nuts he's gone. You know what I mean? After dying a thousand and fifty times. Oh, whatever. you're talking about the, the Scarlet, the, like, the Scarlet Spider book? Yeah. The yeah, Peter yeah. David, uh, the one where he went to, like, Las Vegas and yes, stuff. And Mar yes. Mark Bagley was drawing it. I was a big fan of that, because uh, especially at the end he because he died that final time and they said if you die again you, you're gonna fucking be broken like you can't come back from this right so to like when they were like when i saw the preview and they were like ben riley's back in costume i was like but fucking how <laughs> <laughs> i thought he was broken i thought he wasn't gonna be able to be like a good human being after this right <laughs> um but yeah i don't know we'll see where it goes i've only read the i've only read 75 legacy 876 or whatever they're doing i've only read that first one where uh peter gets like poisoned at the end or whatever i haven't gone by beyond that i think one or two i uh i really wish they would fucking decide what numbering they're gonna go with i i'm yeah right <laughs> i'm having to deal with that right now i'm uh i'm 
building up my Thunderbolts collection. And uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, these were like 100 issues. But I'm like, but wait, they, they're counting the new Thunderbolts. And it's like so, in some versions of the trades, this is counted as the third volume of Thunderbolts. I'm like, how is it the third volume if it starts with 110? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, Just stick to the original number. Like, it, like no one's confused. <laughs> if you say Uncanny X-Men, 746 no one's confused by that i get that it might be hard people might see that as an impediment but like i i honestly think dc which is like this might be the fucking only time i've ever said this i think dc is doing digital comics right Mm -hmm. fuck (laughs) i don't think dc (laughs) comics is doing anything right but that's what they're doing right because like for set was it 75 bucks a year or whatever for infinite you can fucking read anything that they have and they keep adding shit. And then I think it's like six, six months behind on new shit. So like you can, you won't even be that far behind. Even let's say you buy no singles. Mm-hmm. If I'm reading the first issue of death metal, by the time the last issue of death metal is coming out, I'm not that far behind. Right. So like, and it's part of this thing that I pay for and I can just read and I can read like not every issue of action comics but i think they have like seven or eight hundred issues of action comics like i've got plenty of reading material to fucking be a while right and like i don't have (laughs) to have 200 fucking short boxes the accessibility makes a lot of uh a a big difference like even for my own comic it was like i just decided like against uh, i don't know not not necessarily against i just kind of insisted on my friend slash manager, Lisa, that like, uh, I was like, all right, you know what? Every time somebody backs a new Kickstarter, they get all the digitals. You know what I mean? Like just like when I kickstart issue three, they get one, two and three. And then eventually I'm gonna add the earlier prequel graphic novels to that too, so that they can just get caught up. You know what I mean? Like, so that, cause you know, like if I kickstart an issue and somebody's getting only the fourth one and didn't put the add-ons for one, two, and three or anything like that, right. then I just, I still want them to be able to read the little saga I got going. So it's like, I'm just going to be like, here's a folder with everything up till this one. You know what I mean? So I don't know. This is kind of That's cool. For, we had this conversation. I thought there wasn't any digital tears on this last Kickstarter. That's, why I, that's why I didn't jump on. I was like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't collect singles, so I got to have digital. I know, right? And like, uh, yeah, was it you? T- you that was telling me about like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like packs and stuff that like, yeah, dude, doing. I did a, after after that conversation, I did a whole uh, whole editorial in in my magazine about it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, there's there's apparently more than one person out there that thinks that like digitals aren't necessarily a thing, and some people that just don't know about these packs. Like uh, I just right. backed, um, it's over here somewhere, uh, the fourth volume of impure blood by uh nathan lewis um he he does these indie packs and he just hooks up with a bunch of different creators and you know you get the first issue of x y and z so you get like little tastes that's why actually i backed uh starlight when starlight just did one through three or one through four Mm -hmm. whoa Uh, (laughs) uh that's why i backed that because i got starlight one like the preview through Mm -hmm. one of one very like one of the other kickstarter packs so i was like oh this is really interesting but then i was like looking on their website they're not selling it because they're doing some shit they're trying to they're trying to get distribution deals so they're not selling digitally right now 
So right. the only way to get it is through the Kickstarter. So I was like, oh shit, you're doing another Kickstarter. Awesome. I'm in. <laughs> like, I might have to do like a, a, like a get caught up tier. You know what I yeah. mean? Cause I, I want, 100%. I want everybody to read them all in a row. So like, it's like whatever the newest one is, I'll just like adjust the price as it goes. Like, you know what I mean? Like maybe by the time I'm on issue five, it'll be like you know, 15 or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just spitballing, but you know what I mean? Just like to be like, hey, here's the, if you just want digital, here's the get caught up on everything library price. You know what that's, I mean? That's like, absolutely, that's, that that's a huge, I've done that so many times because people are like, oh, because uh, what was it? Concrete Comics did a thing recently. I had never heard of them up until like a year ago. And they were like, hey, we're doing like this new issue of one of their books. I forget which one it was, but it was like, oh, you could just get the entire concrete library for this price. And it was like mm -hmm. issue one and two of one book, issue one and two of this other book, issue one of this other book. And I was like, dope. Yeah, let's do that. Because then I know right. all these characters. Um, and I just started reading. I mean, it's actually interesting. Uh, <laughs> the one book I started reading because they just had another Kickstarter for issue three. And I was like, well, let me see if I actually like this book and I can jump on with this Kickstarter. Uh, I read the first two issues and I was like, it's it's never there's never been a situation where I've read a comic book where I am supposed to not like the main character. Like the title character is like not a likable person. Nice. <laughs> like she's an <laughs> asshole to everybody. She's like, and I was like, wow, you're really not supposed to like this person. So like, but she's the fucking headliner. This is interesting right. to me. So that's kind of cool. It reminds me of my friend Kara's book, Fire Bitch. That comic is really funny because like, <laughs> yeah, she's literally like a social media, um, what you call it, uh, influencer, you know, like a total like thought, if you will, and uh -huh. like uh, she like gets firepowers from an alien world by accident because they were supposed to go to the guy she was at the time because it's it's like R rated and like the like beam that like is supposed to hit the guy hits her right. instead, so That's it's fun. like this total jerk gets these powers and like she you know has a little bit of redemption arc and stuff at least from the first issue but she's still just this whole jerk and everything she said is is like Kara's like extremely uh crass sense of humor just like flowing out of that chick's mouth like it's so funny that's cool see like i like that that's a different take it's not like like to me there is place for the good wholesome superhero like that to me was superman so like honestly i wasn't a big fan when they did the, like Man of Steel as a movie is a is a good movie. The DCU movies are, for the most part, fine. Um, but like I like a hopeful Superman. I like Superman as a beacon of hope. So when like he was sad the whole movie, and then he was like snippy with the government, and like I was like, I mean, I get like when jo Jonathan Kent is not supposed to tell Clark, yeah, maybe you should have let him die. I don't know. <laughs> I think that, that was I that think fucked that, me up. Literally the only part of the movie. Yeah, that was bad. Literally the only part of the movie I liked was like the last five minutes of Man of Steel. I was like, oh man, the last minutes of five minutes of Man of Steel kind of feel like a Superman movie. It's the previous like 120 that make me want to die. <laughs> like it's, I, just, it was, I was just like, oh, okay. It's, which, it's which all is, shot like a drug commercial too. It's like, what is Oh my this? God, yeah. The fucking, <laughs> the, the, the Snyder filter is a real fucking thing. I just watched, um, what the fuck's his Netflix movie? Army of the Dead. Uh, good flick. Like for what it is, it's a fucking great flick. It's like uh, weirdly out of focus like all the time or something. He used like all these antique lenses and shit. We watched like this 30 minute making of thing. 
he yeah. used all these like fancy antique lenses. He literally said the movie is way more in focus than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, like, geez. they gave you a budget and you were like, let's try some shit. <laughs> he's let's a really gift- he's a really gifted director, but he really shouldn't be doing anything but other people's scripts or stories or have just just have no input. You know what I mean? Like so, somebody should should have that guy be like i don't know the cinematographer and direct but have no input on anything else because uh i don't know himself he, in the foot. he well yeah and i think uh like i don't know i think he set up this wildly immense dceu and i would have been down for it if they had just said cool let's do this universe i would have been down for it it looks great it looks like a dc universe should except for the joker but like um <laughs> Like everything else, like it's just like, all right, you threw the baby out with the bathwater. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like, we, we just got a Batman trilogy. We like Nolan is he went a little too hard into the realism for me, but I still like Nolan's trilogy, mostly the first one. But like, it's like he set up very specifically stuff that Batman comics fans knew that like he throws the gun in the water. He's like, no guns and like. He tells Rachel Ghoul right out, I will not kill this man. I'm not executioner. You know what I mean? So it's like I appreciate up- you saying Rachel Ghoul properly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That shit bothered. That shit bothered. <laughs> oh, no, none of that Raz that, Al Ghoul. <laughs> that, the fact that they called him Raz Al Ghoul and the fact that they said Falcone, I was like, Yeah, instead of Falcone, that threw me off too. <laughs> I was like, You're gonna you're gonna go back in time and tell Al Capone some shit. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. I know, Rache, they made, they made like a, even before that was a movie, like they had, uh, it was like an episode of Batman Beyond where like Terry McGinnis was like, who's this Ra's al Ghul anyway? And then Bruce was like, it's Rache, you know, like that's a comedy. Right, like, and, they, like they, and that's the thing is like they set, they set the bar already. This wasn't like, oh, it's only ever been in comics. So like we can do whatever we want. It was on the animated series for seven fucking years. Yeah. <laughs> so like we had precedent, like this wasn't something difficult. And right. then on fucking uh, in the Arrowverse, they couldn't decide. Fucking it, every person said it differently, and I was like, "You guys are fucking wild." Right. But it's funny. Everybody talks about how dark Batman Begins is, or something. I'm like, I don't know. I think it's a very, very hopeful movie, just like like Superman and Batman should be. It's just is shot dark, and there's dark things yeah. in it. But Batman yeah. himself is like a character, like bringing people to the light, and like he doesn't kill and he doesn't use guns, and that was like throughout the whole trilogy, like. I mean, you can say what you want about, oh, that guy died in a fire and in the Rachel Ghoul's fortress fell or whatever. Yeah, I mean, back you know, in like, the comics locked the KG beast in a fucking yeah. vault once. Like, <laughs> that was pretty bad. Batman um, is hardcore. <laughs> yeah. But, like, for the most part, they got it right. And then, like, um, on a character level, and then Ben Affleck comes in, Scott Snyder comes in, and he looks, finally, looks like comic book Batman. It looks God, like Jim, so like a Jim Lee drawing walked out of the real, pages for real. And he was like actually fighting because they, they gave him a better suit. He was actually mm-hmm. doing martial arts, not these fucking stiff arm things that he was doing right, in right. all the other movies. Totally. Like, like that scene where he fights the people in the, uh, I only saw bits and pieces of Batman Superman. I didn't see the whole thing, but like I stayed away from it. Once I found out, it's like, yeah, he, uh, you remember how we spent three movies talking about who Batman is and why he doesn't kill and all that stuff? Yeah, well, now he murders people and oh, he's trying dude, to kill Superman. He's dude, trying to kill that, Superman with a spear. The, the funny <laughs> thing is, that 
I fought with my cousin because my cousin is a big fan of uh, Henry Cavill Superman. And like, he's a big fan of those, those movies in general. Uh, I fought him for two straight years about Batman Superman. And I was like, this is not fucking Batman. Like mm-hmm. there there's, I was like, Batman does not just fucking wildly shoot fucking bad guys from the car like blowing up buildings and cars yeah, yeah. and trucks and sh- <laughs> that's not batman right. and then it like eventually i like i was like mid it was like a flow of fucking you know thought thing i was just like bitching about the movie and then i was like no that's it this universe and that was like the distinction i had to make with myself like, in this universe batman is just way more emotional He's just right. way more emotional, way more emotionally, deeply scarred from his parents and the loss of uh, presumably Jason and like all of these things that they have just built upon one another. So when he saw Clark, even as a potential, maybe sort of threat, instead of making contingencies like he has with everything else in the comics mm-hmm. and in animated and everything, he was just like, fuck this. We got to take this guy out yeah he, just dealing in the possibility exists yeah exactly and it was like it was it's a different take and it took it definitely took me a fucking minute to like make that distinction and that's honestly ever since then i really don't give a shit what they show as long as the movie is good like i i, I, I didn't like birds of prey i i keep calling it harley uh, uh harley quinn uh uh the fantabulous something or other of yeah, yeah, Har- Har- yeah Har- Har- <laughs> but I keep calling it Harley Quinn in the, in the cameos because, like, mm. to call it Birds of Prey would, would indicate to me that there's a movie about a team of people, and it's like not that until like the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> the rest of the time is just like four or five independent stories happening simultaneously. Uh, so it's not really like a team movie. So I never understood. Yeah, why how do you make it. a movie called Birds of Prey starring Harley Quinn? She's not even like associated with that team. You know what I mean? Like, and they, and, like, <laughs> and, and like, I thought they did uh, Cassie real dirty. Like Cassie is like one of the dopest Batgirls. They did her real dirty in that. Like, yeah, I saw that from a distance. I I didn't see the movie, but I saw enough of it to know that like that's not my Cassie. That's not. And that's the thing that and, and like, but the orphan pro- the, the, or whatever she's called. Yeah, the, 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 the thing about that was no, she's Batgirl again, which I fucking love. Oh, they, she? oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. DC's like, oh, yeah, it all fucking happened. So now everyone's like through various plot devices finding out everything, like everything that happened. Oh, that's oh, cool. Yeah. So she, the, the her and Stephanie were in the same room and Stephanie was in the spoiler costume. She's in the, she's in the uh, orphan costume and they see like a hologram of themselves. I don't remember the exact context, but they see a hologram of themselves, basically like pre new 52. Uh, and they're both kind of like, oh shit. And Ca- Cassie, especially, and this like, this like may, almost made me want to cry. She was like, they let me, like they let me wear the fucking logo. Like they. Oh wait, like, I did read that. Oh, that was during uh, James Tynion's uh, detective run. Yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, when yeah, they yeah. like saw through that looking glass about like, because the the story that was going on was about Tim Drake, future Batman coming back in time, and he was a nut job. Oh and really? Like, yeah, that's funny. But yeah, that, like, that, I, and I thought that was like that, that. That like felt really good because I was like, oh man, like 
because that was like she had no family like orphan you know like that was mm. the whole thing she had no family so for her to like see that she was accepted i was like oh man that feels good like that was a good moment for her because I, I really liked her as a character because like her whole evolution of being like a mute assassin yeah. child into like a grown human being with complexity and being able to speak for herself like that was a huge journey for her and then when they like they were like new 52 fuck all your shit like yeah <laughs> i know oh, oh, it makes me so mad like i know like post rebirth they started doing course corrections that's what got me back in it because i was a huge huge tim drake and spoiler fan um throughout the, like the chuck dixon uh robin era and all that stuff and like so i read literally every robin comic and um even red robin like all the way up to i love dude i loved red robin i loved his whole killer. evolution my my loved it. i, I took loved down him. the whole league of assassins by himself or league dude, of, he, yeah, he, league of assassins. like the way they pushed him to like grow as a person and they like said it was all built on stuff that existed right in mm -hmm. in team titans after the whole young justice thing when they did like the future jumps and stuff and he saw like future evil tim drake batman he was like, why the fuck are you wearing that? He's like, I don't want to be Batman. What the fuck are you doing? He's like, I'm not trying to be Batman. I don't want to grow up to be Batman. That's not my course. So like when he went the Red Robin route, I was like, that's fucking dope. He is building yeah. this whole separate, his own identity. And when they were like, fucking new 52 and they're like no now he's like kind of a weird amalgam of both of those characters it was so stupid but then like if you uh this is when i came back was during rebirth because uh i had heard that spoiler was back and somebody yeah, yeah. told me it was really good and i'm like all right i'll give this a shot so before james tanyan became like the head batman writer before he was like a kind of a superstar like he is now i started reading detective and i shredded through it all like i just backtracked shredded through it all and um his run was like all about like batman building like a team you know yeah. and they were based based out of like a, a cave like in the middle of the city i don't think it was a clock tower i think it was a new place it's called like the belfry yeah and um yeah, yeah. and it was like uh, a reformed clay face uh spoiler red robin oh yeah i remember uh, orphan and um somebody else but uh yeah, it was really cool. And like Batwoman, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And um like uh they they James Tanyan was a huge Tim Drake fan, and I could tell because he reestablished a lot of the canon that they ditched during New 52. Like they when they showed a flashback of who Tim Drake was, it was like they show him just like in um uh a lonely place of dying, like he shows up at the door. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I discovered who you are because I saw Robin's parents die, Dick Grayson's parents die at the right. thing. And he's like playing little detective. And then he broke the Robin suit out of the case and helped him from Two-Face. So they reestablished like a lot of his canon origin, you know? Right. And then like uh, he started writing him like he should be, where he is like the more like calm and collect version of Robin than some of the others had been. And they brought back an approximation of his early '90s costume, you know, but just like with a few more bells and whistles, and like a double R for Red Robin, where yeah. like just a single R would have been. But like, he did a great job. Tanya did a great job of reestablishing reestablishing Stephanie and Tim as like their old selves. You know what I mean? Right. Like I like, but they're technically not, but they got closer. You right. Know, so my my only beef with New Fifty Two and 
the early rebirth was uh, that they kept her as spoiler. Like I thought she acquitted herself excellently as as Batgirl. Those were so, great stories too. Yeah. So when they and especially this was like the other like part of it that sucked as like a fan reading. Uh, they didn't tell the writers New Fifty Two was happening. So when uh, I forget who wrote uh, Incorporated, when the first chunk of Incorporated happened, it was meant to be the whole series as one. Mm-hmm. But they had to stop it because New 52 was about to happen. So yeah. even though a bunch of the Incorporated stuff included Stephanie Brown Batgirl, the second half, which was in New 52 universe, <laughs> right. happened as if that happened, but without her? Yeah, <laughs> it was so strange. It's like, don't worry, Morrison. You can finish uh, half of the second half of your half story. <laughs> it was, it was so it weird. Was, it, oh, man, I was, I was so salty with that. Granted, I, I liked actually what they did with her eventually, like how they mm-hmm. built her up in the New Fifty Two and later. But the the best thing to come, like the best things, and the best things come out of the Batman books in the New Fifty Two, honestly. Court of Owls, which has become kind of like this new, like first new Batman thing for a long fucking time. Yeah. Um, and there was the the one run that was Batman Eternal. It was a weekly book. It really like piggybacks off a of Court of Owls. So mm-hmm. it's like it happens a little while later. But it, it was it was for the most part self-contained. Like it was referring to some things that were happening in the other Bat books, but it was a self-contained 12-issue run. Or no, might even no. It was a weekly. It was weekly, so it was fifty-two issues. But it was like this whole thing where a bad guy, in like who came out of the whole Court of Owls thing, was basically like putting Batman through his paces. He had mm-hmm. he had sent out this invite to fucking everybody, all the bad guys, to come. One to of the go- head talons or whatever. Uh, or no, it, those are just like the low-level assassins, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's no, he but he sent he sent no no he sent calls out to everybody. Two Face, mm. Hush, everybody, everybody, and basically like come to Gotham, fuck his shit up, and it they like set it up to be Calculator, which was like you got there and you were like fucking Calculator, <laughs> like of all fucking people, that's the mastermind, and then you know, and then you find out he got the same fucking invite, mm. and then you get the big reveal at the end, and, you're, and like it was just this really really cool self contained thing that I liked better than death of the family and all this other shit that was happening. Like that was good, but all death of, of the family happened. started amazing and then ended with a whimper, you know, like yeah, that's how it, I felt about it. Yeah. You know? it, it was like, Oh, cool thing. And then like the, the, the best part that came out of, uh, or the death in the family, the first, the first one, right. Yeah. Um, was Joker died but then like was in the background and he was the fucking guy at Arkham. He was Mm -hmm. fucking putting on a show the whole time. And then you like get into the mindset of he actually can straight man for a long time. Mm -hmm. He's not just this out of control, laughing lunatic guy. His whole thing is control. And then it becomes fucking terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Joker's a mastermind. Some people forget that, you know, like some people want to write him as like this babbling lunatic, but he's not actually insane. This is right. my, this is my theory. And I think Paul Dini agrees with me is that he's not insane. He just acts like he is, you know yeah. what I mean? 
Yeah, like he's sure. he's a you know like criminally insane, but he's not like mentally insane. Yeah, you know like what he's I mean? not he's not he's not deranged. He doesn't like not right. know what he's doing. Like, yeah, he doesn't he's hear voices in, in his head yeah, or anything. He's like fully that. in like, command of everything that's happening. In fact, like one of my favorite Joker stories was Devil's Advocate by uh, Chuck Dixon and um, oh, I forgot who drew it, Graham Nolan, and uh, it was like Joker's insanity defense fell through so he was on death row for the first time ever huh. and for a crime he didn't commit somebody uh-huh. was poison somebody was poisoning stamps and they were sending him out oh i remember that i remember that. yeah and then joker you just watch him on death row you watch him in jail and everything not with the the comfort of arkham asylum you know and like some giant skinhead tries to fight him or something and then he like beats him half to death with a shoe or something and it's it was oh man it was so funny he shaved his head and you see like little green bits you know like (laughs) on his head it was such a great story because like everybody was telling batman you should just let this go you know what i mean like you should come on all the things this guy has done you should you should let him fry and batman's like no i gotta be the superhero i gotta find the guy who really did it i remember that story and he he comes and he gets him out because he he stops him from being killed oh man that's a great ending too because he's sitting in the cell with joker and he says like just remember that every breath you take you owe to me (laughs) and that's the ultimate insult yeah yeah (laughs) that's i i I really yeah that was that was a that was a like that was a crazy that was a crazy read because that's that's like one of those like deeply fucking psychological like do you let this guy die even though he's dying for a crime he did not commit do you still let him die knowing or do you like do you still save him knowing that he's done all that other shit knowing that he's killed so many people right. uh, it's 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 a it's it's an interesting conundrum uh yeah. that was a good story i remember his lawyer asking like oh like it's that easy to prove insanity and he smashes his face on the table and he's bleeding from his nose he's like it's that easy <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes yes um to, to that point, let's pivot over to adaptations real quick. What did you think of the Joker movie? I didn't see it because uh, oh, wow. that's not that's not Joker to me. I, I'm see. I, I was talking about this earlier with somebody. I'm just I'm such a huge fan of comic book Joker, like that. I just they don't ever do that guy. Like there's always something off. You know what I mean? I mean, Cesar Romero, he was in the 60s show and he did a great job, you know, like, I always think like people overplay the mustache. I'm like, you're not supposed to notice the mustache. Like TVs were way worse back then. It probably all blurred together. I didn't even notice it as a kid. I Yeah, and I never think about it when I think back on it. Right, so he was pretty much just supposed to be like Silver Age, wacky comic book Joker and he did a great job with it for a show that was kind of making fun of Batman. But like, uh, then like the 89 Joker jack nicholson uh very very close to the comic books you know what i mean he's uh, i mean they played up the gangster thing you're not really supposed to know who he is with the red hood that's kind of the magic of joker is he could really actually be anybody of any race because like you don't see him ever like maybe in a flashback and killing joke but that's not canonical because it's like a multiple choice or whatever like he says so he could really be anybody before he puts that red hood on, but you never see who that is until he takes it off and he's deformed and messed up and the chemicals have messed up his cheekbones and jaw and made right. him smile and everything. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
they got really close with Nicholson and then they had to go and mess it up by saying he killed the Waynes, you know? <laughs> so it's like, In, we uh, got like close, but no cigar. Batman but, issue, I think it was Dark, Batman the Dark Knight issue 50, like 95. It was like an anniversary issue. They did do a retelling of his origin and they did show him to be the comedian, basically the same origin as in as in a killing joke so they did canonize it effectively which which one wait when was that from uh 90 94 94 95 yeah because i know there was a period of time where they were kind of like like leaning into that more but then they kind of unleaned back out of it oh and i mean post you know post new 52 post rebirth we are we are at a true we are at a true point like i was actually going to do a whole video on this and and have like bring someone on to talk about this because like retcons effectively like retcons mean that it you know whatever is the new piece of information a retcon means that that's always been true Mm -hmm. so like where where my thought process for that came from was that uh people were talking about uh how uh uh, scarlet witch got whitewashed in the movies and such and because she was Roma and she was a Jew and rephrase that she was Jewish. <laughs> I know you, that's not, it's not a okay way to say that, but, um, but like, then they were like, Oh, she was never his daughter. Right. That was mm-hmm. the, the change in the comics. So then once that happens, that's always been true. So like you go back and that's always now been true. Right. So, you know, like when you retcon stuff like that, that's why the whole Peter Parker, Ben Riley clone fucking shenanigans was so crazy. When you say Peter Parker's always been the clone, mm-hmm. you, you fuck the whole thing up for everybody. I know, right. <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to like a new piece of information that just like adds to shit, which that can also fuck shit up because that's what they did with uh uh was it Sins Past? Yeah, uh, which thankfully got re re retconned. <laughs> Literally, like that was. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. Like that's my biggest fandom. I never um, read it. I actually, I, I worked at a comic shop at the time, and I saw it, and I, I like flipped through it and shit, and I was like, no, no, we're not yeah. gonna read. I'm like, I'm just not gonna read this. This I story stopped reading finish. Spider-Man You're until gonna... JMS was done. Like so many people were like, oh, it was that was it for me once they undid the marriage. I was like, I was just glad JMS was gone. Like, give me this brand new day stuff, please, because I wanted that guy gone. I honestly, <laughs> dude, here's the thing. I the honestly, first couple of issues of his run are okay. Uh the the I mean, like I I thought the like bring any of the more spiritual not spiritual, but like more mystical side of Spider-Man made sense to me like i mean like it it was it was fine like i had no beef with it personally i like where it's grown into like the spider-verse stuff and that's that's cool to me like that's interesting it's not just this like because when especially when like white dude number four like whoever the writer is decides to just like infuse a character with like tribal culture of some sort Mm mm-hmm it always feels weird to me. It always yeah. has. Cause I'm like, mm, but like, I feel like you're just, you're making a lot of shit up obviously, but it feels like you're trying to ground it in some sort of real culture and it gets yeah. messy and it gets gross. And so, but like when they were like, Oh, this is like a dimensional thing. And the, the fucking 
I forget. I always forget their names, but like the the guy he fought in that was like part of a family. The, Morlun, the, yeah, Morlun, yeah. Like I always forget their. They have a name, don't they? Like, whole yeah, they did. I've read Spider Verse, but I only read it once, so I can't remember. But like, yeah, uh, I read Spider Verse and Spider Geddon. Like, like they, they, those they, like they, energy they, vampires or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but they like built them into this whole thing. They built it into this whole mythos about spiders and the spider uh, totems per universe. And then like when uh, when Kane came back and like Kane, yeah got a clone body of peter parker like that was there was just like a whole lot of interesting shit that came out of that but the initial right. the initial like here's this old guy telling peter like here's this old white dude telling peter who is another white dude that he is inherently like mystical from this like deep jungle spider tribe mm-hmm. ah that gets weird that gets a little uncomfortable yeah it was like for me. when when jms first did it he just kind of got it he just brought it up out of nowhere and he was just trying to get his own stamp on it. And he does that a lot. Every time he takes over a book, he redoes their origin. He did it with fantastic four almost right away. Just like Spider-Man where it was like, Oh, the, the rays that hit them in space were actually like, uh, coming from like another is he writing the current planet run? or something no 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 this was back in like 2007 or eight or something like that. He, he wrote oh. fantastic four in they the ju- they 2000s. Just did that. They just did that. They oh, just really? did the whole story, and I don't know if it's like from that or whatever. But they're saying that um, basically Reed did not screw up. What he did is he prepared them for the necessary cosmic conditions there. But yeah. this planet off in the fucking distance, who had been looking at Earth, and the the power structure there was like these motherfuckers are starting to fly. Uh, we need to we need to dead that because they're gonna come here. They're gonna fuck our shit up. So they mm. essentially sent a big ass blast of cosmic rays at them right so it was insufficient shielding for that additional shit reed did that's, not screw up <laughs> that's kind of like that's the conundrum i have with the alien movies like prometheus and the new the one that came after prometheus whatever it was called alien uh something covenant. covenant thank you um it was like it's like is it better if it's an accident like in the original or is it better if there is more to the lore and it was like the creation of David and the Wayland Corporation and all this stuff, you know what right. I mean? Because on a hard sci-fi level, it works that way because it's like, one could argue like, if we're playing on hard sci-fi rules that most uh, species on other planets are likely not gonna be anthropomorphic, you know what I mean? So like, the aliens because they look like people and the um, space jockeys who look like people have origins that tie to our origins as a species in these weird ass new alien movies. There's something kind of neat about that, but it also takes away from like the original mysterious accident aspect of like the original telling, you know what yeah. I mean? So like, I don't know. It, it really depends on what side of the bed I wake up on where I'm like, okay, sometimes it's cool to expand on things, but sometimes it takes away from things to expand too far, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's, 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 it's hard to tell, honestly, personally, I, I like there, there's kind of, like you said, there's kind of pluses and minuses to it. Like mm. the Hulk origin is kind of pure to me to be like, he ran out there because this kid was going to get fried, saves the kid, he takes the blast. Right. There's something pure to that. There, it's just like it was a selfless act. And in that selfless act, he becomes this fucking machine of fury. 
Right. And the Ang Lee movie took away from that by as beautiful as that movie is, like from a technical level, it's still just stupid on a storytelling level because it just turned the Hulk into not the Hulk. It like everything you think of when you think of the Hulk, they subverted by making it like this weird story about absorbing dad you know <laughs> yeah and he was a science experiment and the whole yeah. thing was about yeah it, 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 it was a it was a definitely a different telling yeah uh, but even in the comics now like that that's become like they have somewhat mystified hulk and it's been it's been weird like in the current immortal hulk run the the last like 20 issues or whatever they've like really dove deep into kind of like what happened and basically what they're saying is that there is what they're calling the green door and like he when he took that blast he essentially like could have died or he opens the green door and that's where it all comes from and it turns out and spoiler alert for anybody who has not <laughs> read the current hulk books but might want to uh it turns out that the hulk is essentially the specter because the hulk is the agent of I think it's like agent of rage is the Hulk is the one below all is the agent of rage on earth of the one above all. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's the, he's the agent of rage and fury of God. He's God's fury. <laughs> that's like, another thing. Cause Marvel's never going to say God. They they, uh, right. they they call him the, the the one above all, and he's been Jack Kirby more times than not. So I'm just gonna say Jack Kirby, <laughs> right? Like that Fantastic Four run with Wade, where uh, yeah, they, uh, literally like traveled off the page or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was fun, but uh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes uh, there's there's sometimes where I wrestle with the fact of it's like it's like can superhero comics tell like uh, emotionally and morally complex stories on like the level that like an art house movie should yes but should they i don't know you know what i mean that's that's kind I of something they... i that's something i grapple with sometimes it's like do you take away from the purity of the genre and its pulp roots by inserting that stuff and i think there's like a happy medium that can be achieved between the two you know what 100%. i mean but like i, but I some, think there's sometimes huge... it sways towards that pretension level a little too much oh know? yeah yeah I, I don't like like I, i've never been a fan when they start make like i i always look at it as spoon feeding like you have a lesson you want to teach and you're just gonna fucking shove it in my mouth until i fucking swallow like that's there, there's no there's no there's no uh, uh, uh complexity to the layout it's just like here is the lesson this is the, do you know that this is the lesson? I want you really to understand that this is the lesson. And I'm like, I'm trying to read the comic, please. <laughs> like, I, can you just, can you like fit, fit the lesson inside of the story? Right, <laughs> like, right. and not like give me 14 captions about the lesson, like yeah. on top of the action. Exactly. <laughs> like the, the ham fistedness of it sometimes just kind of gets in the way where like, that was the problem I had with a lot of JMS's writing too, is a lot of times like he, it, it was almost as if like, like he was in the panel talking to you and like saying, well, it was like the end of that spider totem story where he's standing there with like that shaman guy. And he's like, uh, he's like, you will say the sun rises because uh, 
because of like the earth revolving around the sun and all this stuff like talking right. about like astrophysics and he's like he's like but i say it rises because it has to i see no contradiction do you <laughs> he like basically like turns to the audience and says do you you know what i mean I, and it's like it's like you know what jms yes yes i do <laughs> what's what's really funny is I, I <laughs> like i i when i basically when i came to this country i like fell for star trek and uh babylon 5 and i'm not until many many years later that i find out that jms was the guy behind b5 mm-hmm. um and he handled i thought pretty well like as far as all the various like there's a lot of fucking races of aliens on b5 and a lot of different cultures and how they interact and how they deal with one another it was all handled pretty well there was very rarely was there some like overt here is the fucking message thing like the, it's it's the difference between how tng and voyager were written to like the first season of discovery to me i don't know if you've watched the discovery at all i haven't like that's one of those shows where it's like like this is the problem i have with the culture wars these days is that like everybody on the left side of the culture war says like this is offensive and then everybody on the right says this is too woke and then like so sometimes when the right says this is too woke i'll like uh be like oh maybe it's gonna be like an annoying like uh after school special and i should stay away from it <laughs> but like but then they'll say that and then i'll watch it and i'll be like where was the woke where where's all this stuff that you're whining about because this was fine like that's what i felt about picard i saw picard and like i kept hearing what it's like oh this is a woke disaster or something i watched it i'm like where I, yeah i really <laughs> story didn't. about ai and stuff like yeah i i get from a star trek fan's perspective when they say like uh it's like they're, they're dropping f-bombs and showing eyeballs being gorged out and gouged out and stuff it kind of gives someone the same feeling they have when they watch man of steel where like they're like uh this isn't the hopeful star trek this isn't the hopeful superman you know what i mean so it's like i get that aspect of it yeah but from a pure star trekky kind of perspective or whatever i was just like this is fine. Like, what are you whining about? Like, the 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 most like the only like woke thing I could think of in that sh- first season of Picard is maybe when the admiral tells them like the unmitigated fucking gall. Like, I really, I, but I agreed with her. Like, he mm. just came in. He was like, "I need a ship. I need a crew. Give it to me." And she's right. like, "Who the fuck are you, dude? Like, you don't work here no more." <laughs> like, like oh, like you 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 know oh you you've got a name you, that's your picture on the wall yeah but you don't work here anymore get the fuck out of here <laughs> like that's kind of what that felt like so like I guess if that was woke sure whatever like oh Picard didn't instantly get his way I mean I right, guess there, if that's there, some people were overplaying some of the stuff they were complaining about because they were like oh Starfleet's like evil now and I'm like no they weren't there was a Romulan impl- uh, insert or uh, what do you call it uh, mole. You know, yeah, in there. which like, but, like that explains season, that. There was a whole season of TNG where the same thing happened. It was just like a mm-hmm. weird worm thing, and they killed the shit out of that. I think I think people forget a lot. That was the grossest episode of TNG because they killed the shit out of that parasite, yeah, that alien. They like fucking vaporized that thing <laughs> in its chair, and I, like so. When, anybody complaining about eyeballs being gouged out, like they eviscerated this thing where it stood, right? Sometimes On TNG. It- <laughs> Sometimes I think Star Trek fans overplay uh, 
how hopeful everything should be all the time 100 percent all yeah, the time you know I, what i mean like I think, that's I've what Gene like, roddenberry like kind of almost ruined star trek's next generation by saying like nobody should ever fight there should be never no conflict ever it's like all right gene how do we make a show you know yeah, like <laughs> no you have to have conflict but that's also like why they fight like this they don't fight with fists they fight with this fucking weird thing that never actually <laughs> hurt anybody like that to it's, not hurt the guy in the rubber suit <laughs> yeah exactly it, it's it's like i've always felt like the idea of uh of of star trek is the hopeful part like the individual episodes and shit and the way shit is written people can make bad decisions people can be bad people like yeah uh voyager like voyager is like home to me that's like my shit uh I, like there was a lot of episodes where a, most of the crew there was at least somebody one person on the bridge crew at least once a season did some shit that was highly questionable yeah. highly questionable right but like they still were doing the right shit, generally speaking, but exactly. they still fucked up once in a while. Right. As long as they end up learning the lesson and reaffirming what Starfleet believes in, right. that's cool. If somebody ends up a cynic, he did it wrong. Un unless it's a two-parter, then at the end of that second part, then they yep. should, you know what I mean? Exactly. So like, I, when I watched Picard, I was like, uh, I kept waiting for like the cynicism and the awfulness that people were talking about. And I'm like, I didn't get it. I was like, they it was one of those stories where they took you to hell and then took you out of it at the end yeah. because when like there's about to be a giant space battle and everybody's gonna get messed up or whatever like he talks to uh you know data's daughter and like gives her a big old star trek -y after school speech and then yeah. she does the right thing you know and i'm like that's a great star trek moment you yeah. know huge so like i was like yeah it we got a little ugly getting there but like at the end it still was cool it was just like in a People say that about the second Abrams movie where it's like, oh, this was just like a dumb, big, angry action blockbuster and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's true to an extent. But at the end, he was like, uh, like he teleported all those missiles onto the ship and blew it up, but he didn't blow up the people in it. They saved all of them. Yep. All the all the crew members. So yep. nobody died. Like uh except all the people in those buildings that crashed i guess but like <laughs> they, crashed, they crashed the shit out of that plane. yeah oh my god they, they 9 11 shit. the fuck out of san francisco on that movie. Holy they, crap, they really dude. didn't need to they did not need to but they did like a, but dude they did the same thing and oddly enough this was because of 9 11 uh in enterprise they did the same thing they wiped out like the entire eastern coast of the united states Boy. um because literally like i think right before the end of the first season or like midway through the first season that they were filming 9 11 happened yeah the show became about this tragedy that happens on earth and the enterprise the only warp five ship is out trying to find the bad guys right so that that became the show like you still have all the other encounters and you know missions and stuff like that but like the overall thing was like we need to find the zindi threat we need mm -hmm. to find this threat that we don't know and we can't see them and they have no face and we don't know what they look like. Like that was, and I never realized that, but I watched an interview with, uh, with Bacula recently and I was like, oh shit, like that explains a lot of stuff. Yeah. Because they had a, what I always call the fucking, the, the nebula fucking year. Because <laughs> uh, Andromeda did the same thing and they, they did it on Enterprise. And I was like, what the fuck is this problem? Like, third, third or fourth season, they end up in like some sort of we are not where we used to be. And then all the fucking rules get thrown out of the fucking show. Uh, right. Because, like, when they were in this nebula on, on Enterprise, 
he's telling him to kill people. He's fucking yelling at people. Like Archer's an asshole during that whole yeah. season. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is this show now? Like, right. well, like it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a very, like, it's an interesting storytelling tactic, but like, yeah, you, you, you gotta, like, you gotta give everybody their whole run. Like, it, like you said, uh, uh, into darkness was pretty fucking dark Mm -hmm. and it was just it was a mindless in a lot of ways but like there was the star trekiness of it it did it it was still had the morality play at the end yeah like you know like hope for the future kind of stuff you know what i mean so like that that's why i defend the abrams movies more than some people do is because i think they get the feel of star trek right it might be faster dumber and louder but it still gets the feel of Star Trek, right? Especially yeah. the third one. I love the third one. I love Beyond, especially because it's like they tied back into some stuff from Enterprise where it was like, uh, they were talking about like the wars and stuff like that. Ah, it's been a long time since. The Romulan War. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like uh, Idris Elba's character was like from an era where like, like it's like he didn't know what to do with his life because he was a warrior and he doesn't know how to exist in a world without war. Right. So like he hates the Federation for it. And I'm like, that's a great Star Trek villain. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's a cool, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was kind of well done. You know, the third it, is my it, favorite of those three. I agree. I agree. It felt right. Um, it, it, it kind of did the same thing that the third movie and all of this, not the third movie necessarily, but it, like all the Star Trek movies have done this at one point or another. And that's destroy the enterprise. <laughs> I, like, I know. right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh <laughs> fuck. Okay. So like 10 minutes in, we're just going to fucking wipe out the entire ship. All right. Fuck me. Even so though they we do should... that, they did that in the third like, movie. Last I was time. like, we just, la- we just launched this. We just launched this refit at the end of the last one, but all right, fine. Fuck it. Let's just blow the motherfucker up. Right. <laughs> yeah. They did that in Star Trek three, the new Star Trek three. And then uh, the first generations movie. Yeah, that, yeah, that one got destroyed. But that one, that one was interesting. Was uh because that was like a, that was uh like real life filming conditions dictating story, mm-hmm. uh because they, the the quality of the model, was not high enough for big screen. Yeah, using bigger cameras, bigger lenses, better shit. So like the imperfections in the model, which you lose on fucking CRT TVs in 1995 mm-hmm. you see all the fucking imperfections on on the 115 inches yeah right. <laughs> like you see all of it so they were like we got to get rid of this fucking thing and we got to go cg like, like right uh but i still it, remember like seeing because i grew up on star trek the next generation and then i saw the generations movie and um i remember those i was like in junior high at the time so it was like i was i was starting to kind of notice things about film you know and uh i was already making my own like uh handheld camera movies with my friends and stuff nice. like now I'm, now I'm a video editor and I've made my own movies and I work in TV industry but like uh, that was one of those times where I was no- noticing little things that I don't think a lot of people my age were noticing where it was like uh, I was like okay so like I grew up on Star Trek the Next Generation TV show where like the set looked very much like a TV set right and it was filmed at 30 frames a second and all that stuff but then when you see the first time they walk onto the bridge in the movie it's the same set or maybe similar but like it's like lit like a movie you know what i mean like everything's lighting dimmer everything just like is a little sleeker yep 
moving at 24 frames a second you know what i mean so it's like um so yeah i could i could totally see that like as i never knew that reason that's cool it's like they wanted to like ditch the old to get a little more high tech for the movies and since star trek used to be a whole lot more about like every t and uh it had to be crossed and every i dotted when it came to like continuity with like the you know like star trek writers and nerds that like that there was that, no that way they could have pulled off saying hey this is the enterprise they would have been like no it's not you know what i mean like and they, they were they were because <laughs> in the last and this is also like part of that whole thing is in the last season i think season and a half they did use because the the model was like i think they said four and a half feet it's a massive fucking model they were shooting with um so they used um they used it for some of the shots. So mm. you'll see that in like the last couple seasons, if you compare shots, um, the like windows are smaller on the CG model. Uh, in the early seasons, they had two models. So there was like a two foot one and a four foot one and just okay. because of the scale of materials. The four foot one had no 10 forward or the two foot one had no 10 forward, <laughs> but they started with oh. the four foot <laughs> one. So they started shooting with this little one. Uh, one of, I think one of them got damaged even. So I think they ended up shooting with the other one for a while and then they went to CG, but like they lost, they lost features. So like 10 forward disappeared on one of the models. So like you can see between <laughs> some shots, like there is just more hull <laughs> or less funny. depending on what's going on. So like, it's, it's interesting, but yeah, you can, they, you can canonize that. You can say every time we're using this model, Guinan is in the Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> she takes all of, all of, all of deck 10 with her. That is the nerdiest joke I'm going to make all week. <laughs> That's fantastic, though. That's fantastic. <laughs> so speaking of, like, the feel of things, I want to I wanna pivot back into what we started talking about, and that's Spider-Man and Spider-Man adaptations. I want to go... <laughs> we I were go, supposed to go there. We ended up on, like, a yeah, 20 whatever. Start, it is, it is what tangent. it is. It is what it is. Uh, we, we got a very different Spider-Man in Amazing Spider-Man, especially the first one than we did in Sam Raimi's trilogy. Mm -hmm. I did not necessarily love all of Amazing Spider-Man. Because I, it, was, it was darker and I didn't like it. Uh, I guess it's going back to my Joker thing where I was like, I was about to break down each Joker and say where they got it wrong. So it's like the Cesar Romero one, whatever, but like the Nicholson one, was wrong for a little bit and then the ledger one it's a guy in makeup he didn't even go through the transformation which and he doesn't even use this like classic weapons and things like that or poison people so it's like they got that wrong as cool as it was i like the dark knight just yeah. fine but like he's just, he's it's, just a it's still just a little off you know yeah. so it's like he's more um, realistic you know <laughs> right <laughs> with the flying car and everything and the the city under siege by one guy in a, in a trench coat but yep. uh like um and then in a suicide squad they put him back in the acid right so it's like like uh but then they add all these dumb tattoos to him and give him a grill and he like turned, he, dude, he turned jared leto talk oh like God. an asshole <laughs> he turned into and what's funny is they they hyped him up let me phrase that not they granted i don't know that this wasn't like a studio hype that this wasn't something the studio put out there to like try to hype it up but mm -hmm. like all the shit that we heard about Jared Leto doing on set to like make people feel uncomfortable because he was the Joker and he wanted them to, like he was being method or whatever. Yeah, he says none of that happened. 
He says really? he never he says he never sent anybody no fucking live rats or anything. Oh, I thought all that was true. Oh, <laughs> he flat out said none of that shit happened. Oh, so wow. like then I'm thinking, well, was that like a studio leak to be to like hype it up? Like, oh, he's really going into the character because when I saw like you, when I saw the character and it's like, we're, why are we in a club scene? Oh, 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 <laughs> the Joker is in a in a dance club. Oh, OK. Maybe That's he sent them a free copy of a 30 Seconds to Mars album and they're like, oh, what is it? It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? And then they showed him and he was just like, he was like a pimp. He was like a gangster pimp. Yeah. I was, was like, what the big. fuck is this? Like, he, looked, he looked like a, a, a mid 2000s crunk rapper. <laughs> he did he did oh my god that's funny yes and then he, he carried himself like so it always reminds me of that near uh nirvana smells like nirvana from weird al where he's like all oh, these marbles in my mouth because that's like how he talked you know because he was just like oh Barca, i'll hurt you all that you know and it's like can he not talk with those grills in you know yeah. what i mean you should have thought of this before you put all this shit in his mouth because yeah. he literally can't talk <laughs> I, but then <laughs> it, they what they they tried they they did so many things with that movie and then they forgot to like write a story. So then they were like, Hey, Skybeam, like, like they did so many things with the like comic book intro. Here is the flashback moment. The biggest, I think the biggest issue they had in that movie, and they've done this now a couple times in DC, especially they tried to make all the, all the bad guys be relatable. I don't yeah. have to like them. <laughs> it's okay. If this is a piece of shit with a gun to his head, and you telling him, do what I tell you, or I will blow your fucking skull open. <laughs> right, totally. It's okay to do that. Like, there's nothing that's, wrong That's with one that. reason I, I liked the, uh, it's one positive I'll give the Ledger uh, interpretation is that they actually let him be an evil son of a bitch, and you don't yeah. know his motives. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, he's he was very much in, in spirit, the comic book Joker. Yeah. If, if not physicality, if not some other things are missing but like in yeah. spirit he's got like the manic why is this guy doing what he does kind of thing to him you know? and, and i think they also like shoved like 30 years of comic book lore into one movie into mm. like joker and how he how he acted during that whole movie because by the end when he's like you complete me like i can't live without you or whatever the fuck he says right before he falls off a goddamn building uh or he tries uh how you've been at this for like two weeks <laughs> yeah, batman right. completes you in two weeks like what the, granted <laughs> all right fine he's that crazy but like it just it felt weird because i was like i get why joker said that in uh what was it batman r.i.p or whatever the fuck it was when yeah Bat when batman died right before final crisis i get why that happened they they were connected for you know our in our world 50 fucking years yeah that's one of the um that's one of the pluses uh, that's one of the pluses i'm looking forward to in the um uh matt reeves batman movie is that there's an there's it seems that there's a, a little bit of stuff already established kind of like when you when you read the long halloween it takes place in year one or two or whatever but like he's still there's still like all the major gotham players and villains yeah. are like running around Cause like that's uh, that's my problem with some of these superhero movies is that they're so obsessed with like having an origin for every freaking person, and it's like every new movie we have to see how the villain before he's the villain, and then maybe die at the end or go to jail. But like, it's like why don't they ever do it like um, 
like the Dick Tracy movie. I'm not saying in terms of quality that was okay, but <laughs> like, but like where it's like all these guys are already there. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's like we don't have to see where they came from. Maybe give it a little lip service or something. It doesn't have to be like this every time because sometimes it is great to tell like a story of how a character became a character. Sure. But sometimes, especially in a rich world like Batman's, where most people know his rogues gallery, yeah. it's just like just have them there and show me what they're doing. You know what I mean? Not like, if, like how, if, not if how they became. Walked to be. into a room and flipped a coin. Nobody would need an explanation. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody like not, would really need a big in-depth explanation of how his face got scarred. Why is he flipping a coin? Right. No one, or you can write it in such a way that even if you've never fucking heard of Two-Face, which I don't really know how, but let's say you're somebody who has just never heard of fucking Batman and you don't know who Two-Face is. He walks in the room, he flips a coin. It slow-mo follows the coin. One side's crossed out, one side's clean context clues like if it lands yeah. on the cross and he shoots the guy you're like all right i know what the coin does <laughs> like right. like it's not hard the sales pitch is not hard for most of these characters like if killer croc walks in the room you're like i get it <laughs> yeah right totally <laughs> i don't need the Actually, origin that's, story that's what's kind of funny about suicide squad too is like uh and one of the the most awful things about like trying to make batman a killer like uh bruce was and or ben affleck was his version, not, you know, his, but Snyder's, um, is that it's like, wait a minute, if Batman's a killer, why are these people in prison? Why are these people in prison? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, these are the worst of the worst. And like, they're all still alive. And then there's that one little scene in Suicide Squad. I only saw like half of it, but like, I love this scene. It shows Deadshot walking away with his, uh, his daughter. Right. And Batman shows up and they're about to get in a scuffle. And then Batman's like, don't do it you know what i mean like it, he felt like the real batman at that moment right. you know what i mean he, and i'm like this thing. is totally the opposite of what was in batman v superman you know yeah like, that's, that's the I thing for me is i i i think ben affleck's batman i really like his portrayal of on both sides so like when he was bruce wayne in everything except for the like hyper emotional stuff i really liked his portrayal I really liked his portrayal on both ends of it. And right. it's just some of the, some of the actions are questionable, but that's, I think that's not so much as far as his choices as they are, you know, directorial choices. Um, I think the best representation, weirdly enough, the best representation of Batman in the DCEU is in Suicide Squad because he shows yeah. up, he kicks ass, takes him to jail. That's mm -hmm. the, the whole thing. Um, Without branding them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, without branding them. That's that was that actually, was a that was a weird choice, I thought. I remember I was kind of like forced into seeing Justice League, not the Snyder cut. I haven't seen that yet, but like the or Holy the first shit, the, the the Whedon's the Whedon cut yeah. when it came out in theaters, I was kind of dragged into seeing that and I was like I walked out of it like kind of not not mad. You know what I mean? Like it was it wasn't bad. I, it wasn't Yeah. It wasn't the like not, horrible fucking mess that everyone says it was. It's not good. But no. like it didn't offend me to my core as a yeah. fan of those characters. Yeah, it's not. It's, yeah, not, it's it, no Avengers. It's a mess. The effects are terrible and all that stuff. But like, but the characters in it, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, felt like yeah. the ones I'm, I know. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, I don't know. That except, was except a, for the plus uh, for it, I guess. except for the uh, uh, mustache, mustache, <laughs> fucking yeah. monstrosity. And that dude it was so fucking bad. <laughs> uh, and then it then it like really like doubled down on 
the like differences is when Snyder came back to do the Snyder cut, he said, I would rather burn this film to the ground than use any of the footage that he, he made. <laughs> so like all of those reshoots, that whole fucking kerfuffle regarding the mustache, none of it fucking mattered in the end because yeah. in Snyder's vision, he didn't need those shots. Uh, I personally disagree because that shot of Superman saving the kid and he's like, be a good person and he flies off. That's a good Superman moment for me. That that felt like the growth we wanted to see in Superman. Uh, yeah, so, I, I even like that iPhone shot in the beginning. Yeah, where, that's like, what I'm talking about. Yeah, where he's talking to the kid and stuff. Yeah, okay, so that there's... Um, yeah, so it's like, despite the fact that it's, it's very obvious that his mustache isn't there and all that stuff yeah. you know what i mean like it kind of ruined what could have been an awesome moment <laughs> yeah like it, it, it was it was the it, it sold to me the idea that snyder wanted us to have from the get-go because he was like this is what i'm doing he's like i, I want to have him go on this journey and essentially like become the superman that we know mm. like obviously destroying countless millions of lives all, along the way fighting other kryptonians right but like he uh, so like when i saw that at the beginning of justice league i was like okay all right we, we are getting there we're getting to like heroic good guy superman right uh and then when he when he did the snyder cut he's like fuck that shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh it, I, honestly very admittedly his his version of superman in the snyder cut is is much different much much is that really okay yeah, yeah. it's it's it is a lot darker uh the, the first time you are introduced to him is definitely when he comes back uh to life so like the fight is the first time you see him not that like can't imagine there's any glimpses of the john williams score or anything like that <laughs> if there was in the you should the, watch the it last one all right for, you one should of these watch days it for the music dude <laughs> he was all up his ass about that music yeah. he like uh, uh batman watches aquaman get into the water when he's like fuck you i'm not doing it and he gets in the water and this like choir of women like icelandic women just start that. singing <laughs> i was I like that. the fuck is happening oh my god that was i don't even know what's the word for that like the bombastic is not enough like what is the word for that it's sometimes that's just snyder's style where it's just and then like, they bring oh that they god. bring that back they bring that like chorus back like basically every time aquaman's on screen <laughs> Are those girls show up too like wherever, no, he, actually. <laughs> wherever he gets out of the water they're just standing there <laughs> No, but thankfully they don't. Oh my god, that would be better. That would have been funnier. <laughs> no, no, he, he basically choir of women following me everywhere. Basically awesome. takes out all the humor. Uh, I mean, like Jason look, life, look, look, definitely, uh, like the 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 respect they gave uh, uh, Cyborg's character in the Snyder Cut. No, I've heard that's better. I've heard unquestionable. That's better. Yeah. His entire arc makes that movie worth watching mm -hmm. because it is in itself just so rewarding because right. like you get to see who this character is he's not this like mysterious kind of moody cyborg guy like he, there's a lot more to him there's a lot more to his even his relationship with his father grows and it becomes a whole different thing like it, it's just for that for the little bit more aquaman stuff like you see a little more what's going on with aquaman 
uh, I don't know. It's just like it's, everybody's at first I was like, oh, okay, so these are just like longer intro sequences. That's like what this movie is. But then after about 25, 30 minutes and I saw them kind of like start building, I was like, okay, like it's not just like longer intros for everybody. And that's why it's four hours long. Right. <laughs> Cause that's, that was my initial thought after like 10 minutes, I was like, okay, so we're going to spend 10 minutes on every intro. That'll get us to about 50 minutes. <laughs> that's where we get the bulk of this extension. But like, once you see them start building on each other, you're like, okay, like this is actually like more cohesive storytelling as opposed to, but then he, the, again, where, where like real life filming conditions affect the story being told. We did not get Green Lantern, John Stewart Green Lantern, who was supposed to be in there, who is my favorite Green Lantern. Yeah. They didn't want him supposedly because they didn't want a black Green Lantern. There's no like confirmation on that. That is like the rumor, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to show a black Green Lantern, which I was like, the fuck, why not? For like 10 fucking years. Yeah, for a certain generation of people, he kind of like is Green Lantern, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. once they started bringing Hal back in the fold, it was kind of like people were like, who's this guy? Like maybe the way older fanboys knew who he was a lot right. more. Exactly. They're like, no, that's the real Green Lantern. But at this point, and all, the, all the kids who were who got introduced to DC through the Justice League cartoon, he was the only Green Lantern. Right. There was no Kyle. There was no Hal. There was no fucking Guy Gardner. Like none of those people existed. Right. So and like, it's, not, it's night and day with him and Hal. Whereas like Wally West yeah. in that cartoon pretty much is Barry Allen. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, Wally and Barry are, in my opinion, for the most part, interchangeable. I actually yeah. didn't realize that Wally was the main Flash in the Flash comic now because of that. Like, it just right. kind of interchangeable. So now he's the main Flash in, in a Flash comic. So right. like, but the, we didn't get, we didn't get how, or we didn't get Jon Stewart. We got this like, mediocre ass fucking martian manhunter cameo and because of because of not getting to do that green lantern spot which he filmed in his driveway apparently it was just like a <laughs> bunch of green screens and shit which like is even more insulting because it's like i would have just fucking snuck it in <laughs> yeah yeah were the was the fucking studio gonna watch four and a half hours no if you snuck that in they would like what the fuck were they gonna do <laughs> <laughs> we should do Justice League Unlimited, the Snyder Cut, and like have every character get ten minutes of intros. And it's like, <laughs> we're all the way down to like Vigilante. That'd like, <laughs> be like, but like because of that, hours. He, said, he said part of that deal was that he got to uh, uh, film the nightmare sequence, which is like that future thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you, I don't know if you if you didn't see all of Batman. I've seen. heard of it. I've I've seen pieces. Yeah. So like the nightmare thing, and like you get a Joker that's much more Jokery. So I'll give him that, but it's still it stupid. Like Heath Ledger, Marilyn Manson, or something. Yeah, it's he's much yeah. more Jokery, but that's about it. He is, he right. looks much more like a normal Joker. He doesn't have all the tattoos and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, it's kind of a pointless scene because even he said he's not doing more shit. So yeah. like, are you're setting up that in the future of this DCEU, Dark Side is taken over Earth, and you are the Resistance now? Okay, that's that's with a flash with the armor that went back to Batman v Superman. Okay, that's where that came from. But if you're not gonna make any more fucking DC movies, why are you even showing me this? Yeah, right. Like to me, 
that was that was more of an insult than anything else that he fucking changed anything else anything else that he butchered i was like yeah but all that at least makes sense within that story this mm-hmm. is just like here's a massive cock tease you're never gonna get that nut though like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's how it felt i was like what the right. fuck like i use like it's 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 literally i don't know if you watched it but wolverine and the x-men like second i watched it it was a good show the last the last scene of wolverine the x-men which set up season two which yeah, set was... up the motherfucking age of apocalypse yeah that never came to show fruition. got canceled yeah didn't which they didn't they do insane. something similar in evolution i can't remember no didn't evolution they... finished evolution evolution finished, finished. Okay. they, they right. got all the way through apocalypse and a whole shit that right. i haven't even watched yet like i actually i like i I forget why, but at some point, like I, I lost track and I was just like behind. <laughs> I remember when Wolverine and the X Men came out. I was so I was already against it because of like the just the title alone. I was like tired of Wolverine being in a leadership position and him being like the main character and all this stuff after the movies. And then I actually watched it and I was like, oh, he's like desperately trying to get them all back together after Scott quit. Like that's a good place to that's a neat place to start. Yeah, yeah, it was and, it was a good. And they setup. mostly respected the characters and it was well animated. And oh my god, yeah. that episode. Where where, like Nightcrawler is uh, that followed him like on a ship and then into Genosha and stuff. That was marvelous. Like that was great. Dude, but like dude, uh, that show, that show is really, really fucking good. It was a good show. I love Spectacular like, Spider-Man too. Spectacular, I thought was the best Spider-Man show because yep, easily. I want that that Venom saga, that dark, like, like the, just just the scene where he's struggling with the suit internally. Mm-hmm. where it it like turns into uncle ben and turns into yeah all these people. i thought that was better than any other even the comic book version the original animated that series was cool. and that I was that was the best one that was like 60 percent taken from the comics some of the visuals are even the same where like the original costume and the other customer fighting him in his sleep or whatever you know yeah but yeah that was really cool that was awesome I, and I, uh i think my one like what i thought was a misstep in that show was like making black cats dad the burglar the burglar you know that shot uncle ben i didn't really care for that but oh i man, i forgot every that. last other thing was that. awesome yeah that was where i was like oh, come on man but like yeah, and that's the thing yeah you, you they can't uh, they they have um they have the they as in like uh, people who make these adaptations like the filmmakers the cartoon makers they they tend to have this incessant need to make shit connect mm-hmm. like i did not need the sandman to be involved yeah with uncle ben's murder and, and like it was handled okay and if you didn't have venom and i would even say if you didn't have green and green goblin in that movie that would have been a good movie right but like it was it was this like interesting story the sand it's like sandman is i've always felt like a complex enough villain where you can dive a little deeper. Like he's trying to save his kid. Like there's a lot of stuff to it. Mm-hmm. But then like when you like sideline most of that and he literally disappears for like a third of the movie. Right. Like to yeah. like do the green, green goblin two and fucking venom setup, like shitty ass venom setup. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to bring it all back. So it was like, I was talking about the, the Joker because I was going to yes. kind of like relate that to the Spider-Man movies where it's like, because the the newer Joker movie just ugh, just forget it. It's just a taxi driver remake made by a 
an idiot that what's this todd phillips is that his name the guy who did the hangover in the gg allen movie and it's like oh, i didn't know that <laughs> he he uh it's, it's the fact that he made a movie about gg allen says about everything you need to know because like that's like it's like he's into shock but there's nothing behind it you right. know what i mean it's like I, everybody I, knows everybody knows gg allen for throwing shit at people but nobody can name any of his songs because he sucks you know <laughs> It's like, give me seven seconds or minor threat or whatever, like anything that's on my wall right now. But like Gigi Allen, uh, and then that guy's like, oh, Gigi Allen's the punkest guy in the world. So I'm going to make a documentary about him. And then it's like the same thing with Joker, where it's like he made this like shocking movie. He wanted to like shock America by making like a 70s style, because remember the 70s were a very dangerous time for film. You know what I mean? That's when like everything went from like, uh like the golden age of hollywood was like slowly transitioning into like this grit you know yeah and sometimes the grit was like really gritty like if you ever go back and watch dirty harry like i was like oh that's where he got his name from he's a literally looks at people changing through their window like on tippy toes you know what i mean i'm like and then there's Ooh. like a, bu- a busload of kids about to be murdered and stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah. 70s, I do remember, I do remember 70s, the kids. Yeah. yeah, it was like 70s did not fuck around. And so it's like Taxi Driver and all that stuff. So it's like he wanted he wanted to shock America all over again because he thought they were trying to, you know, getting too soft with like all this uh, political correct stuff. And it's like I half get where he's coming from. But the other half of me is like, dude, like you you did that by cynically taking an ip and attaching it to your tantrum project so that you could throw it at america and you knew that they were going to see it because it had that name attached you know what i mean right i almost give him credit for like trolling everybody like that but at the same time what he gave people was just like uh an empty uh as a nothing burger you know what i mean it was here's the thing for me i I liked it, uh, and I feel like this was the same same kind of uh, description I gave it then. It was a terrible comic book movie, but it was a very good film. Like, right, it was a very interesting film as far as like how it was presented. But like, if if you had named it "Going Crazy," the Steve Miller story, I don't know if it come up with yeah. name. like nobody would have seen it, and nobody would have seen it but it would have won an Oscar and shit for fucking performance. Like, oh, this guy's like a clown and blah, blah, blah. And he's all the shit. Like they would have like, literally you could have kept everything except you got to take out some of the like references to Batman, mm-hmm. uh, which <laughs> dude, that, that is the one thing I genuinely can say. Like I, I, you turn the corner, you literally turn the corner and it's like, they show, dude it was like ah so you know the movie that bruce and his family goes to see is the mark of zorro right Mm -hmm. uh in the joker this shows the theater and it's like this i forget this it was the second one right it was the second zorro movie i forget Mm -hmm. what it's called and i was like i was like oh okay they're like giving us a little nudge zorro we get it but then you see the fucking wayne's Walk down the alley because all the fucking commotion because of this dude being on TV. Yeah. So like they go into this alley to like get away from that commotion. So again, this incessant need to connect fucking origins. The Joker indirectly causes the death of the Waynes. Right. <laughs> so stupid. 
Uh, oh, like, and- how, how old is Joaquin Phoenix? Like what, like 45 or something? So by the time Batman grows up 30 years from then, he's going to... Well, or I think, 20, 25 I, I, years from then, he's going to fight a, a, an, el- a, a, sequel. an elderly, mentally ill man who like, <laughs> who, like, cannot even... The Joker is, like, supposed to be, like, cunning and brilliant and, like, a, uh, a master chemist and stuff. It's like, this guy can barely tie his shoes, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, he... Well, I think that the premise was, at least this is, like, the headcanon that a lot of people have walked away with, is that this is the Joker of the 80s, and like eventually he dies, his his like influence fades. And when the Batman shows up, like somebody kind of takes up the mantle. And that's that was the headcanon that a lot of people kind of went with. Yeah, but I've heard that. The re- but, but do the, you like, think the, but, the but do you think fucking... Todd Phillips thinks that? You know no, what I mean? Probably not. <laughs> I will give him though that the real fucking slickness of it is because there was a big part of uh, a big part of the movie is that he thought he was Wayne's illegitimate child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the most part, it seems like it's not true, but there's still like enough doubt. Yeah. And I heard that was like kind of unanswered or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's like enough doubt where you're like, uh, I mean, like maybe, but also maybe not. But when you find out that the second, the, the title, cause I think the, the title of the Zora movie was in Spanish or like the second, the word or whatever the second word was, was in Spanish. So when I looked it up, I like looked up what the movie was and it was like, oh, it's when Zorro's kid takes over the mantle and he takes over his father's responsibilities. And I was like, that's Uh, slick. So you have Bruce Wayne coming out of like Bruce Wayne and, and his parents walking out of the movie where Zorro takes over his father's responsibilities, go down the alley where his parents are about to die and he has to take over his responsibilities that's pretty slick like i thought that was like a pretty that was honestly that's the only thing i talk about like there's all these like little things but that was the one thing Mm -hmm. like little little shit like that's interesting is like he does a lot of the shit and accent like he took a lot of cues from like the way uh was it Dahmer or no gacy gacy was the clown dude Mm -hmm. uh the way gacy like they let me they took the whole thing of like gacy was a, a clown dude and he painted his face with uh points as opposed to like round round edges yeah. that was so like he does that so he that was that's part of the movie like they brought that into it so they like brought all these kind of different elements it's interesting but again it's interesting as a film and not my, as an adaptation right not as a joker movie like to me a joker movie i expect somebody to get splashed in the face with a fucking squirt flower off someone's chest right and that's acid and it burns their face off i'm like there's there's more to it than the just this guy is crazy and it culminates in him like causing some sort of like free spirit revolution where people just disobey society or whatever like right what sucks is that like like when grant morrison did uh arkham asylum i'm not even a big morrison fan uh some of the stuff i just don't like but like uh when he did that a serious house on serious earth yeah it was like that like what i was talking about before like the pretension in comics like how much should it lean into that let's say for argument's sake that it should go as far as it can wouldn't it benefit the ip better maybe i'm wrong because it made a lot of money but like wouldn't it benefit the ip better from a creative standpoint if they were able to make something on par in a film that was like arkham asylum 
for the Joker? Like, what if they made a comic accurate Joker in a art house movie? You know what I mean? And like really actually like said, like, here's where he really came from and all this stuff, all these unanswered questions we've had for years. Yeah. This movie is going to show you yeah. like whether it's canon or not, we're going to stick to it as close as possible. It's like they could have, some if somebody wasn't Todd Phillips, who doesn't give two dams about the character, like they could have made a comic accurate art house film about the Joker. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. That was like on par with the kind of high art comics you would see from somebody like Grant Morrison you know what I mean right 100%. like so I don't know so like the fact that it was just more than it was just kind of like a cultural diversion that grabbed some headlines for five minutes and now everybody doesn't care about it like that kind of I don't know it did a disservice to maybe like what it could it could have been or something I don't know like um, I, I, he there was a a big a big aspect of it was that like you said that kind of like like you're too like too good for the medium kind of thing like mm-hmm. they, they spoon fed the message even though the message was pretty fucking clear like in my opinion there was not any confusion like this guy was clearly mentally ill but he was definitely also clearly mistreated by people mm-hmm. and like a lot of the shit that happened to him was beyond his own control and a lot of the shit like granted some of the shit obviously like was him but like then he sits down i mean i don't know if you intend to watch it but like when he sits down in front of uh, uh um de niro's character on his show like at night you know, late night show to like introduce himself to the world he had built his whole persona to that moment he had mm-hmm. built himself to like walk in and be this charming guy and like ba you know he's the he's the guy and i was like this is the joker moment this is where mm-hmm. he's gonna come on and he's gonna like tap dance around these motherfuckers and then he's going to fucking cause some chaos. That was what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And then he sits there for seven minutes, like explaining how he's had a fucking rough go at it. Yeah. And I was like, the whole point of this whole buildup was for you to not be that guy anymore. Right. Uh, and like, yeah, like it ends with like this, like poignant yet bloody fucking joke. And I laughed my ass off, but it, it, was, it was one of those, like in retrospect, like it was an unearned thing. Because mm-hmm. like I wanted it to be this thing where he was gonna tap dance around him and he's like, I was like, I'm funny as shit, like boom, boom, boom. Like I wanted him to have confidence, but he comes out and then he like shrinks back into himself, has this like speech about how shit's been hard, and then he like steps yeah. out and he's a little crazy. I've seen that scene. Um I mean it, at this point it's kind of iconic or whatever, I guess, but like right. um I always kind of contrast that with Batman the Animated Series where Joker was the host of his own late night talk show yeah. by, take, by taking it over and having a bunch of people like cocking machine guns in the audience and forcing everybody to laugh at his jokes. You know what I mean? That's it's like, and he's got Batman in the electric chair. I'm like, that's the kind of like swagger you really need from this character. You know what I mean? Where that's what I was hoping. That's really what I was hoping. When he stepped out onto that stage, that's who I was looking for. Yeah. And that's why that's and at, at that moment is where I knew like this had little to nothing to do with the comics and, and the comic book character. Right. This was just loosely adaptation, like a loose adaptation. Yeah. It's like I was talking about the Angley Hulk movie. You know what I mean? It's like it's technically proficient, well acted. Technically proficient, well acted. And like panels. Even the Angley Hulk movie, it's like this is an amazing tale of a guy who is just like just a 
just holding it all in because of what his father did to him. And at right. the at the end, he lets it all loose on him, metaphorically and physically. Yeah. And like shoots it all back at him. You know what I mean? And I'm like, like I mean, I remember Roger Ebert praising the movie too. And I'm just like, uh, he was telling uh, comic book audiences won't even get this or whatever. And I'm just like, no, it's <laughs> Roger. It's not that we didn't get it. It's just that uh maybe some didn't but some of us we have the capacity to understand high art right. but we know when it doesn't need to be you know what i mean yeah and it wasn't so... I mean, like, it's, it's even i mean i personally wouldn't even call it like it wasn't that high art like it wasn't i don't think joker is now like just from what i've heard no yeah. no I, I don't either one i don't think that i don't think the hulk was and i don't think uh the joker was i think the joker was a very prote- it, it was a very pretentious way of presenting the idea of the joker not even like presenting the character of the joker the idea of the joker like a guy who dresses resembling a clown and is crazy and kills people like that that was like the sales pitch and they're like all right so like we just got to build to that we we get that that's like a joker movie cool and then they just wrote this whole other thing that has nothing to do with anything and then sprinkled in oh like he thinks he's a wayne like sprinkle on like little bullshit that like makes it comic bookie you know what's funny is like every once in a while you'll see like uh like articles or whatever just to be people talking about like film buffs and stuff talking about like failed pitches you know that like never got off the ground oh yeah and for like all these characters and every once in a while you'll read one and you'll be like oh god like what were they thinking i'm glad this didn't get made right this is one of the ones that snuck through (laughs) for sure because when i look at this and then i think back this was like 2006 7 or 8 Right, right towards the end of uh, Wizard Magazine, they talked about that there was a pitch for a Flash movie. I think it was written. It was a, a Goyer was going to write it, which mm-hmm. I was like, I was already in because I was like, Goyer's already done cool stuff. I think he did Blade. Like at that point, like I knew him for Blade, uh, but I think he had already, he had already, no, this was, I think this was after Batman Begins because okay. David Goyer wrote Batman Begins. And they're like, oh, David Goyer like made this thing, and it's gonna be a generational movie about the Flash, mm-hmm. showing like flashes through, like maybe not necessarily flashes through the generations, but like it, like there will be a handoff or something along those lines. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of like the whole thing of the Flash. The Flash is a generational story. Mm-hmm. Like his 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 mentor is the original Flash. He, like his. Uh, uh, his nephew is the next Flash. His grandson right. is the third Flash. Like, it, it it's all very generational. It's all very like familial. Right. So when it was like, oh, it's like a generational tale of the Flash. I was like, fuck yeah. They're like, they said no. I was like, the fuck? <laughs> oh, oh, you, you understand the basic premise of this character? We don't want to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Exactly. Because <laughs> they were also gonna do. Uh, I think it was. I think it was just gonna be called Blackgate. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was going to be uh, uh, Green Arrow going undercover at Blackgate to find out some information and like basically has to fight his way out. And I was like, right. that's super interesting because then you can have all sorts of different villains and shit. I was like, that's a, just an interesting. I mean, it's like, uh, what the fuck was that movie? Uh, they made two of them. The fucking like massive kung fu fight in, in prison. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't think of what. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, but like, I was like, when that came out, I was like, they could have done this with Green Arrow and supervillains and shit. I was like, why didn't they do this? Like, right. <laughs> like this would have been awesome. That would have been cool. But yeah, but like, um, 
I guess, I guess uh, just tying back to the Spider-Man thing, uh, might as well finally talk about this. <laughs> yeah, right, eventually. Um, so, like, uh, I was I was kind of going through the Joker list yeah. to be like, uh, they keep almost getting it right, sometimes horribly wrong, but keep, sure. like, missing pieces. And yeah. that, like, just annoys me as somebody who really would like to see these characters come to life. You know what I mean? Like, the, the ones I actually know and watch in cartoons and reading comics. I would love Hollywood to just get over themselves and make something that is true to something. You know what I mean? Like uh, every once in a while, like quality of uh, adaptation sneaks through the cracks like Deadpool. You know what I mean? When you watch Deadpool, like you could show somebody, you could show a friend who doesn't know who Deadpool is. And like, you could show them this and like, you might say one or two little things like, oh, actually the healing factor came from Wolverine or like some bullshit like that. But in a general sense, the costume, the personality, everything was like straight out of the books. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like they get, and same thing with the Chris Reed Superman movie, the original, not anything after that. But like, if you show them <laughs> that movie, if somebody's never heard of the character, which is unlikely for Superman, but like they now understand what that character is, the basics yeah. of them. It doesn't have to be like a thousand percent like it or whatever, but now they know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, you get, you get the one. general, general gist and, and like you get the feel of that character that if I was to give you the episode of Unlim Spider-Man Unlimited where Deadpool showed up and why he like, you'd get why he gets annoyed that he can't say kill. Right. <laughs> yeah. You'd get that. You would understand it because you know the personality at that point. If you get a comic book from really any age, there is some like weird like Rob Liefeld uh, slash Deadpool, like diehards that say that Deadpool was like ruined when he started talking like to the audience and fourth wall breaking. But I was like, if you go all the way back to like the first appearance in his first fight, he makes pop culture references and shit during the fight. I'm like, right. this isn't new. There's none of this no. shit is new. Right. So like it wasn't as flamboyant back then. It wasn't quite as big. But it's just like that's just we got more of him, and so we learned more about him. Like it was yeah. a stretch. I've been a Deadpool fan since the '90s, and uh, I watched him go from the you know Joe Mad uh, miniseries into the Joe Kelly series into Gal Simone and all that stuff. You know what I mean? So like, I know the character, and it's like I could show somebody that movie, and they got out of it exactly what I got out of those comics. You know? What yeah. I mean? Yeah. which is pretty cool it's, and that's very rare that is 100 percent very rare i agree right. with you i think uh, on a whole the mcu does that individually you can pick it apart and be like uh yeah. but on a on the whole that feels like a marvel universe so yeah. that's at least cool but um i actually so yeah. i actually think the shows have done a much better job individually than the movies because the i mean the movies are time limited and things like that but i also yeah. think I think I still think the first Iron Man movie is 100% like it's still in my top five. Like, yeah, because I sure. think I think that movie can stand on its own, and I think none of the other ones can. Right. I gotcha. And I, uh, I love WandaVision. That was great. That's my favorite out of the, the three. Dude, shows that so was so good. I was yeah. geeked because, like, I especially grew up, like, like when I came to this country, TV we kind of like, you know? exactly. Like, I, I came to this country, like, my mom worked. I fucking watch TV. So like, mm -hmm. I know all that shit. So like when they, when they were doing the different years, I was like, I think I know what show that is. Like, yeah. And they, they like, like got the style of humor and the dialect down yeah. from each era. And it was, yeah. Oh, that's the detail was crazy. 
like by the time they got to like the Malcolm in the Middle stuff, it was like some goofy thing would happen while they were playing like this dumb little ska music or something, you know, like yeah. stock stock ska music yeah. or something. And you're like, that's exactly what late '90s and early 2000s TV shows were like. Yeah. So they got all that stuff right. And um, okay, so back to uh the Spider-Man thing. So like the Joker stuff, like I said, they keep keep almost getting it right or keep missing pieces. Sometimes big pieces, sometimes little pieces, but it's just not quite at that Deadpool, Christopher Reeve, Superman level. Right. And that's my problem with the Spider-Man movies is that like, I know the, and it's probably my fault that I am such a canon snob about the character and know him so well. <laughs> and like th that he is my favorite character. So sometimes if I care less about a character, I, I don't care. I've, sometimes I, I try not to like overlook the changes because I, I'm all about fidelity and all that stuff. Right. But it's it's hard not to notice as somebody who's like a major, major, major Spider-Man fan. So like when the Raimi movies, I'll just go through the trilogy. So when the Raimi movies first came out, it was 2002. I followed that like a hawk. I was on spidermanhype.com, which turned into superherohype.com. That's true. I forgot looking that at the, yeah. that way. I was looking at those articles every day, looking at the set picture of the Green Goblin, this and that. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. I'm like, oh, they went not, no black leather. They're doing Spider-Man's real costume. That's so fucking cool looking. All this stuff. I'm like, look at Mary Jane, look at Peter. Oh, they look great. They look just like they should or whatever. And then I saw the movie and then it kind of, it felt like it zipped by, you know what I mean? Right. I, I convinced myself for a long time that I loved it, but there was something in the back of my head that was gnawing at me that was like, this guy is not funny. Spider-Man's supposed to be funny and this guy is not funny and then like I didn't care too much about like the mechanical web shooters even though I love them way more than organic and then like I was like I don't know somebody like John Byrne or one of those creators was writing about the the movies and they were like yeah but it takes away a major piece of his character the fact that he is an inventor and he is a genius right. and all this stuff whereas they only pay lip service to the fact that like Peter's good at science like it's he, Harry tells his dad that and then in a deleted scene in Spider-Man 2 he predicts Otto's experiment going wrong but they deleted it so um right so it's like that's the closest they ever got to showing that this kid's a, a genius in his own level like a a poor Tony Stark you know yeah not to get into the whole MCU Tony Stark thing but like um so there was just something off about Tobey Maguire. There was something off about Kirsten Dunst. Willem Dafoe was great as Green Goblin. Uh, what's his name was actually decent as Harry, uh, stoner guy, you know, uh, James Franco. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't think of his name either. <laughs> Obviously, J. Jonas Jameson murdered it. Like, oh looks exactly. I'm so glad exactly they brought like, him back. I'm so yeah. glad they brought him back. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, so it's like he walked out of the pages, you know what I mean? And like. There were like little aspects of the unit. It looked like a Spider-Man movie should yeah, for the most part. But then like Sam Raimi kind of got in the way and it's like Sam Raimi and I love the guy as much as he, I perceive screwed up my favorite character. I still love him. I still love Evil Dead. I still love everything he does. And uh, he's like really into the Three Stooges and he's really into like people being the butt of jokes and stuff like that and getting smacked around like ash does and everything and that's what he did to peter parker in like a, and his big inspiration for those movies was like the reeves superman movies and sometimes it's like yeah but that's not who peter parker is and like it's like peter you know has like a bad life like occasionally like he goes right. through horrible things and like growing pains kind of things the parker um, 
yeah exactly but like he uh it was just very melodramatic and it was very like goofy at the same time so it was like yeah peter is a wise ass in the comics in and out of costume so when people parrot that whole uh toby was a good peter but not a good spider-man thing that you see all over the internet it's kind of right. like mm, i don't think he was good as both because i think like he uh he, he this is not somebody you could picture mouthing off to flash thompson you know what I mean? This is not somebody you can picture saying, you know, like, hey, or, where's or your, even just where... standing up to him, even yeah, to take, even to take an ass whooping, like it just wouldn't. Yeah, right. No, he he wasn't and that like, guy. And he, honestly, I always thought he looked too old. I, I was like, this dude's thirty five. What are you doing? Yeah, definitely that. And like, uh, he he was too timid in his voice. Like everything came out like a whisper or like an awkward something or other. Yeah. Like when he's talking to Mary Jane, he like freezes in front of her, and he's just like, I. I think I like you. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And I'm like, no, man, Peter Parker in the comics is like, he's a, he's a nerd, but he's got like a something like a mysterious side to him that women yeah. find attractive because yeah. Liz, Liz was attracted to him. Liz was Betty, dude, Liz, Betty. Gwen, yeah, and exactly. MJ, they all wanted him. <laughs> they all. And then like, it's like, they, they did the whole, like, this story is about a girl. He says that in the first, moment of the movie and it's just like um but spider-man was never like that he was like what was cool about stan lee's run is he actually like went through like becoming like a kid into an adult and like going through all the pains that go with that so it was like he was broken up about betty when they stopped seeing each other but then like he sees betty with ned Leeds, and he's like he's like oh to think i thought the world of her now i really don't care you know what i mean right and i'm like that's right because that's kind of what you do as a young man like you like think like oh why was I so broken up about this like suddenly it doesn't matter to me like right. I moved on and so it's like Peter Parker never grew or moved on in those movies he was just like this quiet shy weirdo obsessed and with Mary was, Jane yeah, and he was love struck the entire time I 100 mm -hmm. I feel you on that yeah yeah he I, was I, like he was pining for Mary Jane when in the comics most women pine for him and he is too arrogant and in his own head to notice you know what I mean right He's usually like, you know, like, and this, this is another thing that Stanley got right in those early comics is that like, when you're like a geeky kid or whatever, and you start to grow up a little, sometimes when people are being nice to you, uh, you almost kind of respond in like a knee jerky way because you think they're still mocking you or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I was pretty nerdy growing up, but also not. I was, I was kind of like, never picked last in sports, never picked first. I was picked somewhere in the middle. You know what I mean? Right. It's like oh JT can hit a home run we know he can so it's like but he's not like the best athlete in class either so it's like um but I was still geeky enough to like know that like you get to a certain point where when women start paying attention to you girls are I guess well like um and like new friends that you didn't think were like on your level or whatever or like right. too cool for you like start paying attention to you you almost kind of write them off and that's what Peter did to like the college crowd when he got to college is that like Flash and Gwen and all them were like, hey, you want to hang out with us this weekend? And he's like, uh, look at them. They're mocking me again. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be caught dead doing that. And then he walk away and they'd be like, what's Parker's problem? What a fucking asshole. Right. You know what I mean? And it's because he, and then he slowly just kind of grew out of that. And like, uh, so it's like, there was kind of an error against him where it's like Gwen really actually tried to have a crush on him. And he thought she was joking or he, he thought she was, being a snob 
Right. And then like she followed him to a science exhibit and the two of them hit it off. So it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm over explaining, but like, um, I just don't see that in Tobey Maguire. I don't see him growing from a young man into a right older man or whatever. Like it's, he's kind of in this like arrested puppy dog stage of adolescence. Yeah. And, and I think that's not, what, not that's, why when, that's why when he got the, the venom suit, I think that's why it didn't, it didn't, just like amplify his aggressiveness it mm-hmm. amplified these kind of like weird qualities so like this thing that he felt in that like that character that spider-man felt he was missing the like sat the suaveness with women and the like forwardness right he he like that is what got amplified because like the suit gave him what he didn't have as opposed to like amplifying who he was mm-hmm. so, like, so it's like yeah sam raimi like through all three movies and even in that one, like, was just like, he's even said like, uh, you know, like, look at this dopey kid or whatever, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, he set up this like little puppy dog, everybody root for him kind of character. And then you did for three movies, even though he like hit Mary Jane in the third one, like what the fuck was with that? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, everybody's supposed to like follow this little dweeb on his journey. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just, there's something so off about it. And like the second one, just like Ang Lee's Hulk, very well-directed movie, like artfully so. Like Spider-Man 2, it's it's kind of my problem with American Beauty also, is that like Sam Mendes like made this amazing visual treat, perfectly paced, perfectly emotional, hits all the right notes, all that stuff that is based off the worst script ever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> wow! I'm, really? I'm I'm over I'm overplaying it on Spider-Man two when I say worst script ever, but I just mean a bad script. Like, wow, I mean, first of all, funny. Some, like most most everyone says that, that is still their favorite Spider-Man movie. I know, but I, sometimes I think they're just saying that just because that the critics did back then, and there wasn't a lot going on I, back then. I am I am like a, a, a I am a uh, Alfred Molina fan to to like a weird degree like Mm -hmm. i i was exposed to him when i watched uh frida uh and like not like not on purpose like my girlfriend at the time went to go see it for like a a project for school and she's like do you want to come see this movie i was like i don't know who any of these people are i've Mm -hmm. never heard of this person frida sure fuck it i'll I'll go see it you're my girlfriend i'll hang out with you for a couple hours fell in love with that movie i thought he was a fantastic actor so when they mm-hmm. were like he's doing spider-man i was like fuck yes <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's he's great in it and the arm effects are phenomenal in it like especially for, amazing like, 2004 oh for sure like when when those when he's like climbing up a building or something like you feel that you know what i mean it's it's really well done it's just not spider-man and it's uh kind of i don't know kind of dumb like uh what's his Alfred Molina's Doc Ock and what I really mean is Sam Raimi and Alvin Sargent's Doc Ock is not the comic book Doc Ock like a lot of people are stoked to see him in the new movie again and I might be like if they do something different with it because who knows those might those might be variants they might not be the real guys but they're probably I'm so excited for this new movie (laughs) I don't know but uh it's like he's he's like a nice guy who has a wife you know and like 
is like handing down fatherly life lessons. It's like what you said earlier about like, sometimes just give me a villain that's evil. You know what I mean? And that's, that's one of the biggest failings of the Raimi trilogy is that they won't, they make the villains too sympathetic, you know? Yeah. Uh, Green Goblin is, I mean, he's kind of a mess in the comics. Like, so it's, it's hard to tell with like the whole, oh, I have amnesia. Now I don't, now I'm multiple personality. Now yeah, I'm but not. even, even Osborne but, at the end, in, at the end of the first one, he gets stabbed and he's like, don't tell harry which is like a sympathetic moment of like don't ruin his life by telling him this terrible thing about his father mm -hmm. like so it's like this whole thing and then when harry becomes the green goblin in the third one he's a he's a piece of shit but you find out that it's because like he is sad that his dad died right like, you know, that's the whole premise and it's like everyone gets this sympathetic thing except i felt venom in the third one was such a shitty character development because he had so little screen time and it was all just jammed together. He he was so shitty as far as development that I didn't give a shit about him. I yeah. thought he I thought he he like I was like you deserve to get fucking eaten by some alien goop, you motherfucker. Right. Like you're just sitting there bitching and whining like I hate you already. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of the only actual villain of the whole saga and like uh he's not even that good <laughs> no exactly well, like, and, and the first thing he does is goes and gets a team up doesn't even try to take on spider-man by himself right <laughs> one, of, one of the dumber things they did in spider-man 2 was like uh because they were so obsessed with this like whole father figure thing for peter like every villain has to be a fucking father figure like uh it, he like gets influenced by the ai of the arms and they're talking to him and it's like as cool as that scene is like with just the way like i mean even the special effects are just like oh, and then, right. you know like you see them like barely move you know and it's just right. like that's a, that's a cool effect but um from a character standpoint especially as somebody who loves the egomaniacal psychotic auto octavius of the comic books love the superior spider-man saga by the way um outstanding it's like uh he was just like he was influenced by these arms that were meant to control the fusion reactor and it's like he gave him enough ai why wouldn't you give them enough AI just to do that? Like you also gave them like these weird, like obsessive, like, uh, <laughs> like why, like they were obsessed with completing the experiment right. and had, had enough intelligence to like be able to have their own morality gauge too and become evil right. and control him. It's just, but it wasn't, was just so weird. Wasn't it, and I, I might be misremembering this, but wasn't that, like the the arms influencing Otto wasn't that a part of the animated series, at least for a while. Was it? I don't remember. It's been a long time. I since felt I like I remembered something like that where like he he was like fine, and then like the the arms kind of like attached themselves to him, and like that's kind of like what drove him crazy was the arms being attached to him, and I felt like that. Oh, I, I don't know. It's, it's I, been I, a I long might be time. misremembering that. Like so. I, but like no I, I it was a weird you bring up a very interesting point though about the father figure thing because i think everyone and and we saw this definitely in, in even the amazing spider-man movies everyone the, the directors and the writers of these movies they get hung up on this like uncle ben or in the mcu iron man like this like need to have peter like live up to the legacy of this father figure and in some ways find a substitute like mm -hmm. even in in far from home uh it, it was it was mysterio right 
So like he, he yeah, like that's weird. needed that's weird. someone to like validate him. You're right. They do keep doing that. And it's funny because in the comic books, he doesn't need a father figure. Like he's really trying to figure out life on his own. You know, yeah. like he is, he is all, a very alone which, person, which I think is why, oh my God, like I, I've never like verbalized this with someone. So I'm just like flowing right now. <laughs> but I think that's why when, when you do get those moments where uncle Ben shows up variant timeline, I think during spider Geddon he shows up at some point for a second, like somebody at some point, like some divine being is like, here, you get 10 seconds. So like you get these moments where he, like he gets a hug, he gets a couple encouraging words and they feel so good mm-hmm. because he's been doing it on his own for years. Right. Just to get that. Good job, buddy. Like, yeah, okay, that feels good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is, I, but I th- also think that's why during the, or right after rather the other story leading up to civil war which is its own mess like when he kind of like latched on to tony and like made the bad decision of revealing his identity uh like that was i think that came out of that i think that was like i just went through this truly traumatic thing like literally fucking came out of a cocoon i've got all these new powers and shit oh, i hated but, that story <laughs> like all this shit fucking happened but that was all uh uh, uh like the buildup from JMS, which is ironically like they've all like they've built it all in, into like the the new mythos now. Yeah. Uh, and I think is it Ben? Uh, no, uh, not Ben. Ben's not the other. Kane is the other currently. So like oh, every, okay. uh, there there has to be an other in every universe. Uh, so it's just been a very interesting thing. So like, but like he went through this like truly traumatic thing. So he needed he needed that good job, buddy. And Tony was like, hey. Here's a new fucking armor. I'm going to take care of you. You come live in my tower. I'm going to protect your family. Like, here, let me take this fucking weight off your shoulders for a fucking minute. Yeah. Here's some backup. Here's protection. And that felt good. So I I think that's why he was like, yeah, let's let's go to Washington, D.C. Tell them who I am. All right. I mean, I think I need, I think you know what you're doing, but tell them who I am. Like, they just kind of like, he fell in line right at, at the initial at the onset of civil war because of that, that like need for this parental guidance, but that doesn't happen very often throughout the comics. He doesn't right. have these attachments. He's usually really on his own. And even more recently, like from brand new, from brand new day and like three times fucking since every new writer says reset button. Peter now is hard up for money lives with a roommate is mm-hmm. having troubles dating everybody wants to write that spider-man and it's getting really annoying <laughs> right i don't mind it too much because like i wrestle with that that's something i wrestle with uh another thing is like another uh dichotomous storytelling thing when it comes to like serialized superhero comics especially ones that have been around for 60 years now like yeah. um like do you keep the status quo or do you make them grow? You know what I mean? Like that's been a, that's been a fan debate for as long as I've been reading comics. And um, sometimes the answer is I don't care. You know what I mean? Right. Like sometimes the answer is I just like Spider-Man and I just like reading his stories. Yeah. Like part of me, you know, like if, if he, that's why, that's why the marriage thing doesn't bug me. If he gets married to Mary Jane and they end up having a kid or something, I'll be like, all right, cool. I guess he's technically been progressing since the 60s. And if they reset him to like the 
80s kind of spider-man status quo like everybody wants to i'm like you know what that's cool because i love classic spider-man you know what i mean so it's like i'm kind of like a either or i, I yeah you, either you way are, you are you are what i would say is a true fan of that character you you yeah. just want a good spider-man story you exactly the the the, the framing is not necessarily important to you mm-hmm. um and i 100 and I get that like that's kind of what i am with x-men like x-men for me is that's my shit uh i've got a whole ass two shelves up here with x x trades like uh, x-men for me like i've read it everything i mean like from onslaughts zero tolerance to we've we don't have jack shit to Mm -hmm. when to the the whole morrison era when they had all of the shit in black leather and fucking they, they went public and now there's hundreds of students in the school like all of the eras and even now which I think has been like the most biggest shakeup in the current X books with Hickman and his whole plan. I have loved it even more. So like for me, everyone that like says, Oh, this, that, or the other thing about the X-Men, like there's a whole, like the way you feel about uh, 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 JMS, there's a whole fucking audience of people that feel the same way about Chuck Austin's X-Men run from like 2004 I read that. I feel that way about Morrison's era. Actually, I liked but like Austin's run. There was some weird shit for sure. It was very uneven, but like there was like, some like stuff the I whole liked. In angel, it. angel hooking up with at that time possibly husk. sixteen year old husk. Yeah, kind of like weird, weird, possibly underage stuff. Yeah, that was Range, odd. But I, that, yeah, Austin was kind of a horny writer. He really was. But like, there was a lot of sex. There was for sure. A oh lot God, of, that. Oh, wasn't he? Ecstasy. Wasn't he the one that did that ecstasy. whole? Wasn't he the one that did the whole juggernaut uh, She-Hulk thing? Yeah, that like I She-Hulk that like outright, that scene. outright retconned later. <laughs> like no, she was no, like, no. She yeah, finally, I didn't do that. She finally. Admitted oh, did she to admit? It. <laughs> she finally admitted to it. I thought it was funny as hell, but that's like that's that's like serialized writing, like you said. Like, yeah, yeah. it's that that shit feels so good. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's been four years, and She-Hulk's like, nah, juggernaut you're crazy nah never would happen and then eventually she's drunk drinking with someone like yeah it happened <laughs> like, <laughs> like it felt good like you're like it's like it was a bad decision i made one night in canada all right like, <laughs> like you know it's like hey what we all have regrettable uh i'm saying so. i'm saying so like for me it really doesn't matter like the art i've seen the fucking gamut of art like the art doesn't matter the quality necessarily of the writing i'll get salty when they do dumb shit like I, really, I like the Azazel. Azazel. I, I love that story. I love that story. That was a great story. People fucking hate that story. People. I liked hate it. that story. I. I just today I, was thinking about the fact that they they peed to give Iceman the ability to build a body again. <laughs> they, they, they. Iceman is made of piss currently. The, lo- the logistic because like Iceman always used to like make the ice over himself like it was, then suddenly it was he was secondary mutation remember that, oh, was, that okay. was the that's right. that was yeah. the morrison thing that's why emma can turn into diamonds and shit and right. for like a hot second charles had telekinesis <laughs> the, the the last uh the last like x-men story i read that was so good that i actually just quit x-men like because i've been an on and off x-men fan for years my cousin kevin's a little closer to it and my friend ken they both like kind of catch up when they can. I have always been like, like X-Men was that thing I liked as a kid, but I have kind of not grown out of, that sounds pretentious. What I mean is you know, grown, away, grown away from. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I, sometimes I hate it when people say grown out of, like, cause that may, that makes it sound like you're it's insulting for kids. somebody who still likes it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'm like, it's for but, kids and like, it's not. <laughs> but I personally have become less interested in X-Men, not for any like tangible reason, just because I just, I don't know. 
But like the last thing I read was the Psylocke miniseries written by Christopher Yost uh, oh, in shit, the late, okay. late 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Great, greatest thing I'd ever read because I'm such a Psylocke fan and I love like the uh, revanche girl and like uh, Matsuo and all that stuff. That brought all that to such an amazing conclusion the Matsuo saga, then I was like, that's the greatest X-Men thing I'm ever going to read. I think I can quit now. <laughs> oh, dude. So, I, I, do I you know, know, like, all the shakeups with that? Like, that's been such an interesting fucking journey recently. Yeah, I've heard things and I've seen things, but I, for some reason, like, for me, that's kind of where, for me personally, with that character, that's where it ended. Because it was such a cool story. If you've never read the Psylocke -like miniseries, it's actually, it goes for a lot these days. Like, I don't know why, but it just it, maybe there was a little print run or something. But. Yo, the, that was uh, that era uh, X books in general. Um, it was very popular. That's when they did some of the big, big important crossovers, and the that just kind of like got bundled in. Like Yost, right. Yost uh, um, X Force from that era is really, really popular. I love Yost. He's he's an underrated writer. He's like he's one of those people who just truly gets it, you know. And like he's done a lot of. Uh, I think he's done some video game writing, but I know he's done like a lot of animated writing too. He might have even written some of Wolverine the X Men. Don't quote me on that, but I know he's written cartoons and I stuff. Think, and like, actually, I think you like, might be right. Uh, there's yeah. a there's a guy I follow. Uh, <laughs> there's a guy who I hired a long time ago to, to like. I, I have a design firm, and like we had a client who needed some art done. I hired an artist that I just like found on DeviantArt, and like later on, I just like started following his art page. And he is a huge X-Men fan, was a huge Wolverine and the X-Men fan. And I think, I think it was, I think he did write on that show because he shared the script for season two, like the first episode. There's the full script of the first episode of season two exists. And when I realized that that exists, I was, I got even more mad because <laughs> I really wanted that season two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted season three is spectacular. They set up Scorpion. They set up Hobgoblin. They set up, they all set up so many things. Scorp yeah. Like that whole like that series was really really well done and what mm -hmm. sucks is you, you it's not on disney plus right now because it was yeah. like a sony production specifically so i think sony still fucking owns that shit i have the blu-rays so at least that's cool but um um but yeah no let's see so swinging back to spider-man i guess <laughs> swinging back what did you <laughs> that's good uh <laughs> what did you think of the, the amazing spider-man going into so the, i okay when i first saw it I was well first of all i was geeking out so so many people were angry that there wasn't going to be a spider-man 4 but at that point i was already kind of over the Raimi thing like yeah. it had been and, a slow slow descent into you know what i i think i just don't like these dude, right after they came out it, i it, think like, it's time to admit it to myself there i like things about them and i will always cherish the times that i enjoyed them to the degree i did back then but like it'll never be spider-man comic to me like any random spider-man comic to me is better than any spider-man movie but when amazing spider-man was announced uh i was like i don't know about this but i i'm happy to see that we might take it in a new direction and um then i saw a still of andrew garfield in the suit and i'm like the suit looks okay it's close enough and then i looked closer and i saw the little knobs on his wrists and i was like oh my god he's got web shooters yeah, yeah. oh my god he's got web shooters you know what i mean i'm like he's oh got god, web fuck, shooters. Fuck, 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 fuck. yeah and so was pretty, i was like was pretty hype. yeah i was so happy and then like uh then i didn't know where it was gonna go with when they started doing the whole untold story thing with his parents i'm like i've read that annual and then uh <laughs> i'm like i don't know if that's like what you should really make a whole movie on but i guess they didn't touch on it in the old one so but they handled it 
pretty well for for uh you know like a company that didn't own the rights to red skull <laughs> or any of that you know right. so it's like they they borrowed little bits of elements from ultimate spider-man but sure. mostly took mostly took from 616 uh where it was like uh he found the briefcase in the basement yeah at may's house and then he asked her about it and he's like what's the deal with this and then she told like i have a terrible secret about your parents and all this stuff so like they were like had gone down as like traitors or whatever and like uh so they kind of tied that into oscorp and then just like in any spider-man animated series oscorp or some such is always kind of like at the center of a lot of where villains get made and stuff like that so it's like in a condensed universe kind of thing right it's, it's okay um yeah, I, I wasn't mad about it when i saw the the extra like the arm you saw the arms and you saw the mm -hmm. the wings vulture wings and all that shit like i was i was cool with that yeah so like uh even though once again andrew garfield was too old to be playing him just like toby was uh it was like i got the sense from his character and it's it's not perfect it's like to me like 78 percent, but it's closer than toby closer to the peter parker i knew and right. loved especially from the really old comics you know where it was like he was a bit of a jerk uh he would yeah, mouth but he, off but he, but he had a little swagger about him he was yeah not, he was not uncool right and he would mouth off to he was more like he was originally where it's not like you know like oh look at the dweeb it was more like he was an outcast and like right. people didn't get him you know what i mean right. like and yeah they added the skateboard or whatever but who cares like it didn't really bug me that much some people were like oh like he's too skater boyish or something i'm like eh, whatever if if you if if steve ditko's peter parker was alive today he might be a skateboarder you know what i mean right so like that didn't bug me too much but like uh he just reminded me a lot more of the angry loner peter parker from the early days you know right. what i mean and like uh even like flash they even gave flash thompson an arc which they didn't do like he just like got in a tiny fist fight with him in the raimi movies but like uh in the web movies like or just the first one he was cut out of the second one what, what wasn't cut out of the second one but like <laughs> um he actually looks like a jerk in the beginning and then like peter humiliated him with the basketball thing and then after uncle ben died he came up to him and he just tried to talk to him and then peter like grabbed him and shoved him against the locker and like he was like dude i get it you know what i mean like your uncle died and you could tell that flash thompson is hiding some pain too you know what i mean and he's trying to connect with Peter after right. feeling bad for bullying him. And then Peter, who has these newfound powers and is in a fit of rage and stuck in his own head, lashes out at him. And I'm like, right. that's what the old Spider-Man would do. That's right. what the old Peter Parker would do. Yeah. And like he had the quips in a couple of scenes, never as much as I want, though. Like no. I want the full on talkie Spider-Man. In the second from, like, one, he was. In the second one, he was a lot more talkative. He was. He was a little better in that one. And so was the costume. The costume was that's probably my favorite live action Spider-Man costume um it was basically one for one yeah it was pretty close and yeah, like I don't, I don't uh, think i remember anything wrong with it right like the logo on the back was like the stretchier spider i prefer I like oh yeah that's one. true but that's true but overall yeah and um uh the lizard was a cool villain unfortunately he was kind of straight out of the comics where he wanted to turn everybody into the superior reptile race and all that stuff uh but what my that, biggest what, problem was that like problem? they 
they gave him like the father figure arc and like the mentor arc which is actually what the lizard is supposed to be in the comics right. dr dr they kept doing dr connors with other characters in the raimi movies with doc ock a little bit with norman osborne so that by the time you get to this lizard guy you're like oh well this is just like all the others and i'm like ah, yeah unfortunately it is but it's also supposed to be that way in the comics <laughs> i like what well, that's actually one of my favorite relationships from the comics that he has because it is like it's this guy who he wants to look up to but it's this guy that really needs peter a lot more than peter needs him mm -hmm. so like he's constantly coming to save this guy constantly like redeeming him in the eyes of his child and his wife like it's, that was it's a big a very... problem that they, they cut the family out of the movie i think they yeah. were supposed to be in it it's, I think there was even like a little skateboard like on um, Dr. Connors's like table in like one of the scenes and like Billy Connors is a skateboarder. Oh, so yeah, maybe, yeah. He, maybe he would have talked to Peter about skateboarding or something. I don't know. It's, but like, uh, it's, but it's, yeah, the lizard needs the family to humanize him, you know? Yeah, because otherwise he's just a crazy scientist guy. Right. Crazy but scientist yeah. guy who wants to do crazy science. Like that's pretty basic. Right. And obviously the chemistry between Andrew and Emma is like, 500 times better than the whiny piney between right yeah, yeah, toby sure. and kirsten for sure so that that's that's a that's a decent ish spider-man adaptation uh but yeah like you you said way early on it is a little bit dark uh i felt like they like the black eyes really kind of put me off and there's the scene where where uh even uh, that see where it's it's kind of innocuous where he like catches that guy in the in the alley like uh, trying to rob that car it felt darker than it should have yeah like that scene felt like he might kill this dude <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> like you know he's not going to but it kind of like it was a weird vibe yeah it was um as funny as some of his quips were in that scene it was just yeah there was something about it that was a little too and then i think in the second movie they overcompensated in the other direction. You can tell that the studio was just shitting all over the second movie. Like there's there's something good buried in there. I actually I actually like watching that movie. I think it's okay. Dude, I just watched a fucking deleted scene that was supposed to be a deleted final scene. With his dad. With his dad. I was like, Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? I know, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> the payoff of both movies. Like it would have like broke canon or whatever, but it's it's kind of cool. You know what I mean? So um, but like, yeah, no, it's true. And he even gives them the great power responsibility line yeah but, uh uh the the second movie there was too much interference max dylan was a little too goofy uh dr kafka was like a guy and like he was a goofy german guy that looked like he was supposed to be in the raimi movies or something I'm like, holy is, where did shit. this come from i forgot he was it yeah I like that character was in that as a comic fan like dr kafka is uh that's like jam Dematis's. where where was the woke crowd why didn't they lose their mind <laughs> over know, right? a female <laughs> character being a, a female person of color i lost my mind over it <laughs> oh my goodness this kind hey, of white is she, is she yeah asian? yeah is she asian i believe okay. she's indian is she indian i don't know she always looked like a white lady with the uh, shoulder length black hair i don't know i could be wrong though I'm gonna pull it but up. um <laughs> i'm curious but now. she's one of my favorite characters because some of my favorite spider-man stories were from jm dematius and like he however you say his last name and he he did like the child within with vermin and uh harry osborne and 
all the carnage stuff with her and Cletus. Like she runs Ravencroft Institute, which is, you know, Spider-Man's Arkham. And right. she's like the most, she's way more interesting than any character that has ever been attempted to be connected to Arkham Asylum ever was. Like I love Dr. Kafka. And so to see her reduced to like this weird German dude in the Amazing Spider-Man yeah. suit, that was the weirdest moment ever. The rest of that movie though, I actually kind of like, even though it's totally an edited mess because you can tell what they cut out and what they left in. Uh, but Andrew gave a great performance as Peter in Spider-Man. The Gwen Stacy death, like right down to her costume was well done. It's yeah. just that oh like- Oh God, dude. And I, I was, I honestly thought for a second, I was like, maybe they're not gonna kill her. Maybe right. they're not gonna kill her. And not only did they have the snap, but she splatted. Right. What that? What's funny is that if they had just dialed up the rating on that just for that scene, that would have been the bloodiest scene in every Spider-Man movie. Right. Because <laughs> her head smashed into that concrete. They should have uh, done two things. They should have they should have solved the parents' arc in the first movie instead of dragging it into the second one. Otherwise, like those two movies back to back is a little uh, duology are like a pretty decent telling of the Stacy saga, you know, of yeah. like Captain Stacy's death and Gwen's death because they're very tightly knit. And the fact that like Peter is like this young kid making mistakes and he couldn't help but want to be with Gwen, even though uh, Captain Stacy tells him not to. Maybe right. uh, Kafka looks like she was white, nonetheless. Even though. In um, the comics, it was actually him saying, keep Gwen safe. He didn't say, stay away from Gwen. Right. But uh, but yeah, no, it's a pretty decent telling like of like the Stacy saga. It's just that in the middle of it, they were doing this dumb world building and like some of the villains, like especially it, Electro and Harry were just undercooked, you know? It, like, it, it fell to the same thing that DC fell to. It was, we are, we are building, for sure we're building to this enormous thing. Right. But, like, you don't have to do that right off the bat. Like, that's mm -hmm. the thing that, pe like, DC and, and even Sony, like, when they saw Marvel building, they were like, how can we do that but faster? Right. Because they were trying to compete. And I totally. think that's the problem. The problem is that DC, when they set out to make the DCEU, they set out to create a competing group of movies they're like mm -hmm. we will make movies that will take tickets away from mcu movies yeah and they don't understand that we will fucking go see both if they're good <laughs> <laughs> we will happily see batman one and two superman one and two wonder woman one and two flash one and two and then go see justice league right. if you did it right <laughs> exactly yeah but when you do Race superman Batman and Superman, also Wonder Woman, Justice League. That's fast, man. <laughs> How dumb is it that Gotham and Metropolis are over the bay from each other? Sister like, cities. But that's like, to be fair, that honestly kind of just fits within the within the like DC canon. Cause like Keystone City, Central City. Right. Flash. <laughs> like I had always in my head imagined New York as Metropolis and Chicago as Gotham. You know, like growing up as you a know, kid, what's funny? Like, it's the exact opposite way around. Yeah, because I know one of New York's like old timey nicknames is Gotham, but like there's just something so Chicago about 
Gotham City in the comic books, where it's just like the corrupt politicians and the <laughs> gangsters, and you know what I mean. The, the, true, that's true. Some of that that's stuff, true. you know, like that's true. But they were on a, they were on the, on an, on the, they were on an ocean front. That's uh, the only thing. They, the Gotham's always been on an ocean front. Gotcha. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I always felt like Gotham, Superman. Gotham should, Harbor. Yeah. Superman should have the bigger city. You know what I mean? Because like. He's got so many powers; he can be anywhere. It, sh- it should. You know? but I, also, I, I think. Well, the thing is, it's in it's in Kansas, right? So, it's. I would say it's probably like what the the, the best of Chicago and the best of New York is what Metropolis is, because mm-hmm. like Metropolis still has its organized crime, like Intergang. It's high tech organized crime. That's a oh, big sure. staple of Metropolis. So, right. like, I think it's like the best and prettiest things about both of those cities and then the worst and dirtiest things about both of those cities are what gotham is <laughs> right <laughs> so there's uh yeah my thing is i if if i was chosen if I, if somebody told me i had to rewatch one of the sagas the raimi trilogy or the amazing two i would take the amazing two because i like them better just because agreed of spider-man and emma but because there's such a mess like uh in some spots in those movies it also makes you pine for the simplicity of the Raimi movies where it's just like just on a plot level you know what I mean where it's yeah. like I mean, Goblin, everything Doc Ock, those... then well the third one got messy but you know what I mean <laughs> but, but even then all three concluded their stories right the Raimi trilogy ends the amazing saga barely began right like the 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 the, the stacy saga the stacy storyline concluded they cut mary jane who was supposed to be in the movie yeah shillane but, or whatever yeah but like they built a shit ton of world yeah and set like the mysterious dude the the tons yeah mr of, that was supposed to be mr fears yeah yeah uh that dude the fucking uh uh all the fucking tech from Oscorp, just the the it literally ends on hey, Rhino now has a giant mech suit. Right. Cut to credits. Like I, <laughs> I literally, I got so fucking mad, dude. When he was like, she swings it. I was like, here it comes. Cut to black. I was like, you motherfuckers. I because that was like it was in the trailer. Right. Like, how fucking dare you show me the literal last moment of this film in the trailer? Yeah, seriously, that that was stupid. Oh, I was so, so uh, Sony sucks at marketing. Jesus Christ! Yeah, they're really between bad. like between the amazing Spider-Man movies and Ghostbusters sixteen, it's like whoever markets their shit just get rid of them. <laughs> like, yeah, they release like twenty thousand clips all over the place. They make these awful trailers. Like, it's just like oh, knock it off. But um. Uh, jumping into the MCU Spider-Man real quick, I probably got to go in like ten minutes. But like, um, I like them, but I don't love them. Like they're they're good enough. When I saw, okay. you know, you know what's funny is when I saw Homecoming. First of all, I like Tom Holland. I think the most Spider-Man-y ever he's ever been on screen, out of all Spider-Man portrayals in a major motion picture, was in Civil War. Like when yeah. he shows up to that fight. And he's quipping left and right, and he's yep. kicking the shit out of people he shouldn't be, but he is way more powerful than. I'm like, oh my god, they did it! 
those motherfuckers did it. They got Spider-Man right. You know what I mean? Right. And then I saw Homecoming and I was like, all right, wait, he was a badass, but now he's like Curious George and he's like falling all over the place and stuff. You know what I mean? Like he like, he, when he like lands, he's not perching. He like lands and he trips, you know what I mean? Like every single time it's like, come on. Like, I know he's supposed to be a kid, but he's supposed to be like really good at what he does as yeah. Spider-Man. So like some of that annoyed me. Otherwise it was a great movie, but like or a good movie. Um, Vulture was kind of cool, but like, you know, you know how it's like nothing ever dies in Hollywood. Remember, like when uh, Kevin Smith famously told that that story about the the spider, you know, and then it ended up yeah. in Wild Wild West. So it's like because nothing ever dies in Hollywood. I remember reading about what was supposed to happen in Spider Man Four, and there was supposed to be like Vulture and his daughter, and Spider Man was in love with his daughter, and the daughter was supposed to either be Black Cat or another Vulture, like Volstress or something like that. Right. There were like all these treatments and stuff. You know what I mean? So that stuff festers and it like congeals in a corner and then it like attaches itself to something else. So like when oh, that's funny. When he opens up the door to Liz's place and you see Adrian Toomes standing there, Michael Keaton, in my head, that was the first thing that I was like, they did the vulture daughter thing. Oh, like what who that's kept that funny. around you know what i mean like, i don't funny. know the only thing i remember when they were talking <laughs> about doing a full of spider-man 4 from the Raimi era was they were like we're gonna go darker and we're gonna do everything we're gonna get darker we're gonna go do carnage i was like wow they're gonna do carnage like that was <laughs> i was ballsy like especially coming out of the Raimi trilogy like the those first three movies for them to be like we're gonna do carnage i was like are you though like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> like if it's gonna be like this you shouldn't <laughs> Oh, there was some like weird like treatments for Amazing Spider-Man three, where it was supposed to be like Gwen was gonna be Carnage, like she was in the Ultimate Universe or whatever. And I would have been like, oh, please no, like, the. <laughs> um, but Homecoming was decent, but like it didn't blow me away. It it wasn't the the amazing and by amazing I mean it wasn't the incredible follow up to the Spider-Man in Civil War yeah. that I needed. You know, agreed. And then he was he was just fine in uh, the two Avengers movies after that. I'm like, oh, hey, there's Spider-Man, you know, like because he's a side character. But like, you know, they get him mostly right. And then like uh, then uh, Far From Home, I ended up really, really liking um, that might default be my favorite Spider-Man movie. I don't think like I said, none of them are as good as picking up a comic and reading the real spider-man like yeah. the real spider-man like, I mean, they're I never going to be. love that guy right um but that was that was good because they nailed mysterio like despite him working for tony stark or whatever it's like whatever this just mcu uh yeah i i, I did, exactly i didn't think that that that's that's like what a lot of people like latch on to they're like what is he what does everything have to go back to stark i'm like in like Stark started the universe so it's kind mm -hmm. of like his tendrils are all over the place mm -hmm. so it makes sense I mean it's like why does every Batman villain at some point work for Wayne Industries because it's right. Wayne fucking <laughs> Industries they own everything exactly. like, <laughs> like oh Dr. Freeze happened you used to work at this was in the new 52 I don't know if this is, was ever before the new 52 but like uh, uh, Victor Freeze worked at Wayne Enterprises mm -hmm. I was like yeah, that makes sense. I wasn't like, why is he got to work at Wayne? Like, it makes right. sense. Like, it's the most, A, it's the richest company in Gotham, if not, oh, like, top five in the country. Like, of course you'd want to work there, especially if you want some fancy fucking technology to freeze your 
not wife it was like this weird obsession thing in the new 52 it was a yeah my, that was my problem with it. <laughs> that's like, a really weird story I, I usually like scott snyder i usually do but uh that story i was like dude did you just like you know that like mr freeze's origin won an emmy right like like this is the mr freeze story like you don't mess with that dude like this this shit won an emmy by paul dini and bruce tim like you're gonna tell me that you decided just on a whim to change it so that mr freeze's wife like wasn't his wife you know like uh, that rubbed me wrong it was was some chick at the office that he was into that didn't even know him that that turns him from like this tragic figure to like just this desperate dopey guy you know what i mean and it's like creeper yeah, exactly. You could read tragedy into it from that level, but it's not the same as like yeah. the poetic, poetic justice of the Victor Freeze of the animated series that got readapted into the comics. You know. Yeah, so, that, and that's um, but that's that's why I, I didn't care about like Mysterio working for for Stark. Like, mm-hmm. To me, that makes perfect fucking sense. Like, yeah, he's a he's a he's a tech wizard. Makes yeah. sense that he would work for the techiest of tech companies. They got <laughs> him he, really right. What's he gonna do? Go work at Facebook? Like, <laughs> yeah. I remember at the time too when there were trailers for that movie that people were like, "No, Mysterio is like from another universe and all that stuff." I'm like, "Have you ever read a Mysterio?" <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I, like, I, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was, I get, I was giving them the possibility of that being true because yeah. I was like, all right, maybe like. I, maybe we're gonna do some multiverse shit. I'm like, this is like a weird way to start that, but yeah. all right, maybe we do some weird multiverse shit. Because I think even the trailer, they had even like set it, like they had cut it in a way, and I think they added dialogue because they always do that to make mm-hmm. it sound like that because of the snap, like some portal opened up or some shit. And I was like, I could see that. I get like a lot of power, some sort of terror in reality. I was like trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But mm-hmm. then as soon as he was on screen, I was like, oh, he's lying through his fucking teeth. He's, right. just, <laughs> Quentin, he's just Quentin Becking all over these motherfuckers. Right. <laughs> like, Dude, I was but, like, oh, this is just classic Mysterio. This is good. You know what I love too is because I was so sick of like the father figure, sympathetic villain stuff they keep pulling in every other goddamn Spider-Man movie. Yeah, that, like an asshole. That yeah, is that like he he appeared that way at first, right? You know, but then when he became who he really is, he's just like, I don't care. I'll kill high school kids to like cover my ass, and yep. like <laughs> I am, yep. and like he even like threatened his own employees with machine guns and stuff. You know what I mean? And he was just a piece of shit. And you're like, it's it was a testament to Jake Gyllenhaal's acting ability too, because he was like, uh, you know, like having to play this like fake version of himself through the first half, and then showing that he's yeah. A, asshole in like the yeah. second half because it because when they when they revealed the when he when peter left and he gave i think when he gave him the glasses mm-hmm. and he left the, the set and they all raised the glasses and i was like so this is like some sort of like I, for a second i was like it's not the transition like the transition hadn't happened yet he hadn't shown his like cruelty yet mm-hmm it was like oh maybe this guy's just like scamming so you can like sell it to the highest bidder he wants to like he wants some money out of this. Like he feels he's owed some cash or whatever, like something, you know, like it right. felt a little simple right at that moment. But then when he, like you said, when he threatened his own people, I was like, Oh, this guy's fucking sick. Like he's, right, right. he's a problem. <laughs> like, and like, Oh man, those like uh nightmare sequences where Mysterio is messing with him and everything. Was like was oh, it was right out of the comics. Some of that was literally panels from comics. Yeah. And like, uh, 
it was so cool i even like it's kind of inspired like toward the end how it's like since mysterio is a special effects wizard or whatever to an extent it's you know similar in the mcu but like uh that like he is wearing like pretty much a mysterio mocap suit (laughs) like in the movie you know yeah yeah. (laughs) that was kind of neat like when he's on on the bridge at the end you know yeah and uh yeah, it was cool. And I love that Spider-Man was much more of a focused badass in this movie than he yeah. was in Homecoming. He wasn't stumbling all over the place. He was like, that was a great Spider-Man kick-ass moment at the end where he shuts his eyes and uh, Peter Tingle takes over and he just wrecks all that stuff. And yeah, then Mysterio and I, 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 reaches I, I, out for him and he grabs the invisible gun, you know, like. <laughs> I, I really... I, I felt that he like Peter as a character had a really good arc in that because he, he, he was like, Oh, I have this fucking burden on my shoulders. Like I'm, I'm, I'm seen as like the new iron man. Like that's such a, those are big fucking shoes to step into, especially like this guy literally just sacrificed himself to save all of reality. Right. Totally. Like that's a big fucking hat to put on. Right. So as you like, as usual, though, not enough quips. And it really angers me that, like, they released that. I didn't get to see it in theaters. Even as, and, when he was, the, when he was, what was it, Night Monkey or whatever? I was expecting mm-hmm. at least a little more freedom then because he was, like, yeah. not Spider-Man. <laughs> like, right. And there, there's a deleted scene that, like, I watched on YouTube from somebody filming in the theater or whatever because it, it pisses me off that they haven't released this on, like, Blu-ray or anything like that yet. But there's a director's cut of that movie that came out in theaters a couple months after so it could like make all the money that year. And um, oh, I didn't know that. there's a scene where he, it was in some of the trailers too, where like he was in his Iron Spider costume in a Italian restaurant fighting a bunch of mobsters. But like, I saw the scene in its entirety, like on YouTube or whatever from like an iPhone video. And like, he is cracking wise left and right. It oh. is so funny. And I'm like, they oh, cut why it. did they it cut was that? The, it was why the opening did they cut scene. That? It was the opening scene because they they showed most of that scene in the trailer. Yeah. And then when I saw the movie, it was like not that most of that scene wasn't there. Yeah. He's like mouthing off to the cops and everything. It's like, oh, come on. Why didn't you keep that? Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? We just like like, pivoted to the fucking to the hey with the the fucking donor thing, the collective. Right. Like a guy they were at. The guy blows him away with a machine gun and he like falls off a table like ah, and then he goes up and goes uh just kidding it's bulletproof and like right. steals his gun and then like right. his arms like grab like a pepper shaker and hits a guy with it and he's like fresh pepper you know i'm like oh come on why did you cut this that's it's the most spider-man-y thing ever and you cut that's, it that's the shit that's what i'm saying like the movies don't have this like solid character grounding yeah that's why like the captain america movies like winter soldiers are great movie uh, uh, but like, it's kind of still an ensemble movie, and it's like very, very, like okay, he's he's going after his friend, like that's kind of the whole thing. But like, you don't really, we don't really get to see Steve grow as a character in in his movies. Mm-hmm. A little bit here and there, but like, from for the most part, Steve Rogers at the end of Endgame. It's the same Steve Rogers he was at the beginning. It's true. Part like, of me's kind of okay with that, though. Like, every once in a while, like, I think about character arcs and stuff and how much people obsess over them, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, people have to go through some kind of arc, I guess, but, like... Just some did, sort of personal James, growth. I'm not asking James, for a lot. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's also like, did James Bond have to? You know what I mean? Like, 
in like his classic era and stuff or is he oh, just like, we know who that guy is you know like I don't his know. classic era no but like he has more recently like mm-hmm. uh, certainly in the current films uh but even even in the the ones from the 90s like i think he he retired at one point and like came back and like there was there was like there was different elements to it like there was something happening but i'm not you know i'm not asking for not everyone has to go through a tony stark level of fucking evolution, oh yeah for sure also, because like he he had three films like they really dove into the fucking ptsd that he had from new york like there was a whole lot to that like a big driving force of the mcu is his entire ptsd from the first avengers movie like sometimes i think uh sometimes i think people take the shortcut out and give a character a redemption arc you know what i mean like they yeah. have to start out selfish and become unselfish at the end, even if it doesn't fit the character. And that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of, it's it's not cheating because that can be done amazingly because that's yeah. what Spider-Man is. But like in the comics anyway, because he's, he was being a selfish asshole and didn't catch the yeah. guy who was, uh, you know. Because the majority of that time that we, that we know of, well, now that we know, that we don't know of happens between panels. He's yeah. not, he's not doing the, wrestling thing for like a couple days he's doing mm-hmm. it for weeks months he made tv appearances and shit right like totally. he was he was a personality it's like built exactly. up this ego but yeah we skip all that in the movies and shit right totally and um uh i guess we have to head canon it in that that happens in the mcu <laughs> yeah <laughs> Since they didn't I mean, show it i mean it well, gets a good, they I'm, didn't need to but <laughs> I, i'm hoping Man, this third movie, I'm so excited for it because it's just leaning into comic book ridiculousness. That's when I, I don't know if you saw any of uh, DC fandom. I just did a, a an episode of this where I just saw the Flash trailer and the Batman trailer. That's it. The Flash trailer, really. That's all I wanted to bring up. The like, there are two, two berries in that. And he's about to whip off the fucking cover off the 89 Batmobile. Yeah. And I was like, this is the shit I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm in. Weird. Uh, you know what I mean? He, like, exactly. It's, he, like, it's, he, it's, it's dumb, but I'm in. Like, completely yeah. in. Like, I'm oh, just, yeah. I'm not going to deny that that's fun, you know? Oh, 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 uh, 89 Batman is in this? Fan service? Mm-hmm. Yeah, please. Fan service. That's what yeah. we want. Because, like, l- lately we need some. That's why I'm looking forward to Ghostbusters Afterlife. My second, one of my, other biggest fandom it's so. not getting great uh box office numbers apparently oh really it's like that's a shame i hope it does all right i i was psyched about it i had i had some thoughts about it but like uh i don't know like the the last one like missed an opportunity that i think they could have literally changed six sentences in the whole thing to just make it part of the universe mm-hmm like it could have literally just been, oh, this is happening t- like 20 years ago. This shit happened. Everyone stopped talking about it because it stopped happening. Right. We are now doing this because it's happening again. And then like, because the- why would that cabbie say, I ain't afraid of no ghosts? I wish it was that cast with Ivan Reitman directing and a decent script. You know what I mean? Because the he knows how to... Ha- he knows how to handle his own property because like the Paul Feig Ghostbusters made it into like this wacky skit or something or like parody of Ghostbusters with the weird bright colors and nothing was scary and everything and it's just like Ghostbusters is 
kind of played straight except for the wisecracks you know yeah there's wisecracks throughout the whole yeah, thing they, they and came, it's, they came at it from the wrong direction for sure yeah it's a memorable comedy but at the end of the day they live in a horror universe yeah. you know so i don't know that's why i'm excited for the new one like i heard it's you know like it's just it looks like jason reitman making a ghostbusters movie instead of ivan reitman making a ghostbusters movie yeah and i'm totally down with that yeah you know? looks a little, so. a little newer a little more pon- a little, a little more polished but it's like, it's got a gunner seat. I was like, that's so fucking cool. Like, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and obviously, I'm a huge fan. You know, Sapphire Spectre is, it came from my lifelong fascination with the supernatural that stemmed from watching Ghostbusters way too much as a kid. So <laughs> I, just, I just literally just earlier today, I watched a, a whole thing about the real the real Ghostbusters cartoon and kind of how that came about. And it's whole nice. Life uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the channel. Uh, I, I always hype it up to people who like the shit. Uh, Toy Galaxy they do these like wonderful retrospectives about like various properties this is right up my alley like dude, i'm a youtube dude, junkie that's all i do bro, is like I, w- I work from home and i watch youtube that's all bro, i do toy galaxy <laughs> toy galaxy all day every day they do they do like these in-depth they did the whole thing i didn't know I, I this is like my new favorite fact to tell people when they when they did the gi joe movie and the transformers movie the transformers movie came out first and you know optimus died obviously and like kids fucking hated that because it was like their favorite characters all died in that movie so they the the gi joe movie that came out like fucking months later they were like fuck that like we need to add in that like he's not fatally fucking wounded with (laughs) by the way snake through the heart pretty fucking fatal but fine it just put him in a coma so because like the kids were freaking out like oh yeah (laughs) like people were losing their shit over it so they were like oh fuck like if, if if we also kill off Duke like six months later, these kids are gonna lose their minds. Like they're, we're not, they're not gonna they're never gonna watch our shows again. I am so, just like, I young enough to not shit. have. A, I am just young enough to not have been affected by this. So it's like I yeah, was born, no, me too. I was born late in '81, so like Transformers and uh, I I got a, I got on He Man and I got on Real Ghostbusters. Those were like my two, well, more so Real Ghostbusters, Real Ghostbusters, and anything Batman related. Even the even the Adam West show, watching it with my dad and stuff growing up, uh, were like my big things. But like uh, Transformers, Thundercats, GI Joe, that happened all around me. You know, gotcha. Like I, I didn't really get into. It. I like Voltron and like even watch like because I had a sister. I watched Gem and the Holograms and Rainbow Bright a lot. So I don't know. <laughs> Transformers was for me because I got it. Um, I got it like dumb early when I was in uh in europe still when i was in in croatia mm-hmm. uh we had the, <laughs> fucking i don't think this i don't know that many people saw these things but it was essentially a all-in-one like home theater thing mm-hmm. Mind you, this is like 1992 it's a stereo like a boom box kind of thing got a cassette player and everything but it also had a tv in it that's like uh. four inch but like I watched G1 Transformers on that, you know, in like, you know, localized for, for Croatia while I was over there. So nice. when I came here, like that was the first thing I sought out. So yeah, Transformers, I wasn't there for like the, the, the initial of it because we were just getting American TV. So like we, we didn't get a lot of American cartoons and shit yet. But like right before I left Croatia for, for America, I started watching Transformers early, early in the mornings. And when we got here, that was like that and Power Rangers is what I latched on to. Yeah, yeah. 
but like uh, they yeah i mean this channel toy galaxy they do all dude these like super in-depth shit shit that you forgot about they did they did an episode on dino riders they did an episode i, for, I always forget <laughs> the name of this fucking sh- uh, show but it was like this kid who was driving his car at night and he like crashes into this building and he merges with his car and he can transform oh, into it. yeah yeah well, they did a whole episode called? about that dude they did a whole uh, episode yeah. about it so nice. yeah i think that's I think cool you'll love it. i'm gonna go subscribe to that like as soon as i leave here <laughs> you should, <laughs> sure. you should. It's a fantastic that's channel. cool did you ever watch like the toys that made us and the movies that made us on netflix also i i watched the movies that made us and that's uh that shit was uh super cool because i watched the elf episode and uh dude that i didn't the, the elf like, episode oh is there a new batch of them shit i, I thought there last, was yeah i mean unless it's something last, else that my wife was watching my wife was watching it on on netflix or hulu or whatever the fuck she was watching it on and that was like it was like a whole episode about like elf and how they made it and it like it was like it was in development hell for a long time but then they showed a lot of the like how they made it the like perspective yeah. shit that they did and like i said before i'm a process junkie so i was like that's so fucking cool like i'm you know the camera's nice. back here with the with the with the girl she walks over and like fake hands him a thing he's in the background because he's meant to be like or he's in the foreground rather because he's meant to be super huge like it's this whole thing and i was like this is fucking dope like nice like i just love that's the, cool. like how that shit is made the movies that made us is specifically on netflix and it's uh ghostbusters home alone dirty dancing forrest gump uh a couple others and uh oh, yeah, it's, really, it's really cool and interesting yeah yeah i think they must have done oh, i wonder if they wonder if there's some new ones i'll have to check that out then yeah the toys that made us the the one episode i have to recommend that is like essential is teenage mutant ninja turtles because uh it not only gets into the toy line but it gets into everything from the inception of mirage studios all the way through oh, wow to where it is now and they reunite Eastman and Laird at the end, and they're oh, like talking cool. to each other for the first time in like fifteen years or more. Oh, yeah, because they had a they had a falling out. Yeah, I forgot about that, dude. I completely forgot about that. It was super cool. Holy yeah, you got shit. to see like that. It's like you know they had this startup, made their little comic, and then knew a toy guy, and then the guy made the toys, and then the toys transitioned into the animated series. It was really cool. Yeah. that's wild man that's so cool and like that that's that's the that's the cool shit where it's like you had you had this thing where it's like these two guys just like made a thing and that just now right. it is the one of probably one of the like top five most recognizable brands on the planet right <laughs> like historical oh, that's what i'm hoping for i have a cool logo at least i got that going for me <laughs> your logo is very cool i actually that's, that's every time i look at your stuff i'm like that's it's like a it always it's an eye-catching logo like when i'm scrolling on Facebook, i'm, I'm like, really trying to draw a lot more lately so i can get this done before i die no or what i what that. i what i want to see from you and this is this is me like i said process junkie i have probably 20 sketchbooks over there uh, i want to see a sketchbook like nice. give me a sketchbook tier next time like give me like various however big it is if you want to make a full-on big ass you know fucking coffee table size sketchbook with a bunch of different shit in it uh or if you just want to do like a comic book size sketchbook i'm i'm 100 down for that uh that would be cool i wonder how much it costs to create one of those artist edition things that like idw does you know where it's like it's 11 by 17 and you actually see the coffee stains and stuff of like gil kane's art or like whatever oh yeah 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 that stuff is cool yeah but i mean that's 
that's that, that's one of those high tier things you know <laughs> yeah i'm starting to do a lot more inking on my stuff in general like before i like relied too much on the colors or whatever except for this one the, the i took out that map in the background to make my own chicago map but yeah that's super i'm starting cool. to try and make the original art look a lot better these days and not rely so much on coloring but you know it's still part of it that's super cool man are you do you do uh your own colors or are you mm -hmm. so you're... yep and full, writing that's so why it takes full, forever <laughs> full team damn good on you man i i realized many many moons ago that uh my art is not production quality like i i can't draw a symmetrical figure to save my life uh so like so there I, i've got some really cool pieces that are like one arm and like the right side of a body can't can't get the other arm to look normal <laughs> i gotcha <laughs> i made it's a lot of the gestures you learn a lot from you'll learn a lot from figure drawing that's like where it all is is like how the spine moves or whatever i can't it's it's i do I, I went to art school like i did live like you know life drawing and shit like that like it never it, something doesn't click something doesn't translate to I can draw the right side of, I mean, when you're looking at it, the left side of the, you know, thing, yeah. when I get to the other side, I can't match it up. I, I, like I said, I ended up with a lot of cyborgs that way. You know, I've got like a, I got a, like a, I started with like, a, I'm gonna draw Ryu. And he's like a martial artist on this side. And then I couldn't do anything with the arm. So it just became a giant metal arm. Right. <laughs> Dude, a lot of times I'm drawing like skinny people in street clothes. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not, I, I wouldn't hire me to draw Kazar. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's I don't know. I like when it comes to like those those crazy like Joe Kubert like leg muscles and stuff, it's like I just can't. I'm not programmed to do that. Like I don't know. I I have like a weird. I have like a not a weird, but like I have a true affinity for that like like quality detailed art that I I I the more I see like low detail like m more anime influenced stuff in comics, the more annoyed I get. But it's right. just because, like, like for re recently, the one I just was looking at was uh, West Coast Avengers. The most recent run uh, was done in an anime style, like a couple different styles. But it was like a flat, kind of like low detail style. It wasn't yeah. bad. It wasn't bad art. Like, I think it was perfectly good for, especially for like the kind of tone of the story. But like, if I just saw the art, I'd be like kind of like a weak hawkeye like i want a little more detail in my hawkeye like yeah i've been trying to just incorporate more detail in my stuff lately and just lay those blacks out even like even if i don't need to even if it's gonna be like all black like in the computer or something it's like i'll just do it on the page because i want to make it look cool in a portfolio or something you know what i mean hell yeah but, dude that's 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 good stuff to have good stuff to see. yeah i'm in the middle of the third issue right now which is i've been coloring on my ipad lately which has been a lifesaver but uh, yeah, this lady, I'm excited to get to this story and have been for a while. This is the Violet Void, which is like gonna be Sapphire Spectre's Venom, you know? So that's it's gonna dude, be... that's oh, I get it. Sapphire Spectre, Violet Void. Yeah, exactly. Well, and her like her little double-sided scythe, scythe, whatever, however you say that, is like kind of like like how, how she has like her S blade, you know? Yeah. Like kind of like positioned like two V's, you know what I mean? Nice. Also, it can like rotate like really fast, so she's got like a spinning blades on both sides and swings it around at her and stuff like hell yeah that's yeah. I'm, I'm 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 in trance right now like i'm like let's go let's it's let's gonna be fun this. and i can't wait to I'm, I'm at the point where i'm doing shout outs i know but like uh december lace who's a really cool cosplay chick um is like 
getting ready to play Violet Void on like the covers for it, and it's gonna be really cool. She like is That's a so cool. local Illinoisian and used to be in like underground wrestling and stuff. So oh wow, wow, mm-hmm. dude, I'll, she's a cool chick. I'll have to have you back on. We'll talk in depth about yeah. Sapphire Sapphire Spectre. Like I wanna, uh, well, I'm, I'm gonna hit you up after this. We'll 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 set up a way for me to get those digital copies because I really it was honestly it was honestly really fun not to for a while. <laughs> because usually i'm like well the thing is she's a girl from chicago who goes in the supernatural world and i'm like doing the elevator pitch again but oh my god dude it was awesome to geek out for like so long like this (laughs) hell yeah hell yeah it was a blast man appreciate you coming on this was uh exciting super fun a lot of like i don't get to like you said i don't get to geek out like this with a lot of people usually Mm -hmm. usually if i have someone on it is like to talk about their specific project so it's it's nice exactly. to just go off on this, but we will have you back to talk about your book. Uh, when's the when's the next year starting? Just um, for my meaning uh, <laughs> for like late January, early February. Okay. Because uh, okay. the second one's being printed right now, the one with the little psycho chibi, and uh, yeah. So as soon as that's sent out, I'm like already got a couple of covers coming in from artists for varying covers. I'm going overboard this time. I'm just there's too many of them. But, uh, <laughs> No such thing as overboard, sir. More, <laughs> always more. Right. All right, sir. Thank you for thank you for joining me. Thank you for the exceedingly long amount of time that I've taken from your day. That's all good. <laughs> it's fun as fuck. All right, man. Appreciate you. I'll see you. All right, that's going to be it for this one. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, any thoughts, please hit me up on Twitter at boss sincere b-o-s-s-s-i-n-s-e-e-r happy to have any conversations if you disagree if you agree love to hear it if you're watching comments are down below thank you for watching thank you for listening see you in the next one